Hey, Mr. Producer, this is going to be one hell of a show. So let the beat drop. Cannon Johnson and Dan Blanc are just two guys who love the fencing industry and are here to help you grow your company and find solutions to your business challenges. So buckle up and hold on tight as they take you on this ride called My Fence Life. What is up, everybody, Fence fam? Zach Payton was here, and he's gone. Zach, he's come gone. back. He wants to. Hey, guys. Um, the date today is 622 of 22, believe it or not. And it's another Wednesday night live. And this is my fence life. Guys, I'm Cannon Johnson from Jackson Fence Company in western Tennessee. And this is my good old buddy, old pal, Dano Blanc. What's happening? I you, the Louisiana Swamp, the fence king. And, guys, this is my fence life. What's happening, guys? Y'all gotta, Am I getting better at that or what? Y'all got to pardon me right now. I'm uh, trying to share the show in some groups. So, so hey, guys, tonight we've got a we got another ghetto ghetto boy joining us tonight. We got Joshua Glover of Mister Fence of Florida. Yep, yep. And also, mo- most recently, of Olympus Fence. Yeah, I heard about that. A little buzz it's about new, that. Uh, man. It's a new like. Wholesale, direct sale, um, line of fencing that I'm excited to talk about tonight. So, um, Dan, you got anything you want to cover prior to bringing Joshua Glover up? Uh, yeah, I sure do. Um, let me do my due diligence real quick here, man. Um, I do want to. Uh, I do want to bring up something about old Mister Dan Wheeler with the uh, Fence Industry Podcast. So let's talk some smack about the Fence Industry yeah, Podcast. Yeah, we can't. You can't be coming in on our turf <clears throat> talking trash. That's All right, Dan Will. I heard what you said at the end of your podcast. He's like, man, Dan Blonde, Cannon Johnson, they on my heels. I got to keep my game up. Well, guess what? You better keep your game up, boy, because we coming for you, Dan Will. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Fence Industry Podcast. Hey, we had some hella downloads this week, Dano. Well, it just so happens that um, we uh, – we um doubled the downloads of our biggest month. We've doubled it and surpassed it. So we want to thank everybody wow. for that. And look, guys, <clears throat> it's real, real important if y'all go to our uh, our podcast, our Facebook page, all that good something, all that good stuff, and give us a review. Five star reviews, ratings—they mean a lot. So uh, please, please, please go do that. Do that for Dan Wheeler also. The more you raise up both of these podcasts, you know. Dan, Dan Wheeler is here commenting live tonight. He says, "I got something for you two real soon." Oh. What do you think that is, Dano? T-shirt, free T-shirt? I, I don't know, man. Probably the only thing he's got is a hard time for us. That's all he's got. He ain't got nothing. <laughs> hey, we—if you're here with us tonight, uh, give us a comment. Tell us, tell us, tell us you're here. Uh, we don't always know you're here unless you say something. Uh, just a little rundown, Dano. We got Clever Fox Media in the house tonight saying good afternoon, fellas. Good afternoon, Benji. Oh, hey, Clever hey. Fox. We got John Waithy. John, you're quite the regular, and we appreciate that. Um, we got Defense Prince Dylan Blanc in the house. We got Terry. That's your cue, bro. I'm sorry, man. I was putting ice in my drink. Hold on, we got Terry. Is that we got is, Terry in the house? Is that tonight? Terry? Hold on a second. Bag up, bag up. 
Mango tear? Put it reverse, tear! Put it reverse! Oh Lord! Lord Jesus! Oh Lord! We've also got Brian in the house. Uh, what's up, Brian? He's a regular as well. Thank you for always watching and tuning in. Uh, hey, Brian, uh, make sure you listen to us on the Apple Podcast or, or, or the Android version of that, whatever that is. Uh, it's a good Spotify. Listen. Spotify. We got Michael Michael Lambert in the house again. We got a Facebook user in the house tonight. How's that happen? I don't know, man. Haven't seen one of those guys in a long time, but we'll take it. Stephen Moore, hey man, thanks for joining us. Stephen's finally made it. So hey, Stephen's Wednesday night. Here's the cool thing: if you miss a Wednesday night, that's fine. You can listen to it on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all kinds of platforms. So don't ever feel yeah. like you missed it because you haven't missed it. We got Levi Hurst. He's giving us a shout out from Seattle, Washington. So he's like four thirty time zone, I guess. Right? I now. guess, man. He's like just oh, getting Levi. up for breakfast, huh? Like that profile pic, bro. Yeah, Levi. Sweet. We got PB Martin in the house. What? PB. Man, I hadn't seen PB in a while. I saw him on Facebook and was like, yo, where you been, bro? He said, putting up fence. Listen, I'm glad uh, I'm glad PB's here. Uh, oh. All right, so Facebook user is my friend, Stephen Estep of Easy Stain here in West Tennessee. Stephen Estep is, is, is doing a jam-up job with nice. that stain and seal experts. He stains a lot of our fences. He stains a lot Does of other really? fences. He's really? He's staining fences. Hey, Steven, listen, I got a, I got a brand new deck and a whole lot of fences in my house that oh. need some, some pecan on it. So we need to talk real soon, bro. Some pecan. Uh, hey, look, man, this is my guy here, Zach Payton. He says he's just here looking for tax tips tonight. Zach, LOL, LOL. Zach's giving me a hard time about my post. Yeah, I know. He just texted me right before the show. I know. I hid your post, Zach. I hid your comment. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like God. Do, I was like, do you remember? Uh, this is a trick question for you, Dan. All right, hit me. Do you remember when Zach Payton was on the show? I remember like the first three quarters of when Zach Payton was on the show because the last quarter, I got, I don't know, man. I got a little sloppy drunk. Uh, Zach was drinking. <laughs> Zach is like, I don't drink gin or it was scotch, one of them, and he had COVID. So he couldn't taste anything. So he's like, I'm drinking all the alcohol in the house that I don't like or don't drink because I can't taste anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was drinking bourbon before I knew it, man. I was slurring, slouched in my um, in my chair. And I was like, yo, I, we got to cut the last 20 minutes of the show look, off. And I remember that very, very well. Hey, guys, we just brought on Joshua Glover. Hey, Josh, welcome to the My Salesman Studios. Josh, you were there the night that Zach Payton was live with us. Yes, remember? I was. Yeah. I don't think Dan remembers either one of us being there, actually. <laughs> Josh is like, I was there. I was like, wait, you were there? <laughs> Bro, I remember. That That was like a three-hour podcast, dude. And like by the end of it, I was looking at you and like you were – you were this, this is how you look. You were just leaning over here, like kind of – Kind of real slow spinning like this. <laughs> Dude, I walked out of my office and down the hallway, and it was like a pinball. Bing, bing, bing. And I come into the kitchen in the living room. Peppa looked at me. She's like, what the hell? And I was like, ha, <laughs> Hey, so, Zach, man, let's let's reunite, man. I think the phone number is like 1-800-FENCE or Go Fence or something like that. 877-34-FENCE. Uh, 34-FENCE. 877-34-FENCE. We're going to get him on here right in the beginning? Well, Dan said don't post the phone number, but I'm posting the damn phone oh, number. Oh, here That's we what go. Here. Guys, we're talking about inventory, and I think the reason why Zach's wanting to jump in on this call is because uh, uh, we were talking inventory a little bit, and Josh Glover jumped in 
on his uh, show. So Zach's like, you know what? I'm jumping in on Josh's show. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we got Ken Throckmorton in the house. Uh, he's from Medina, Ohio. So what's up, Ken? Ken's asking, are we supposed to pay our taxes? And PB Martin says, hey, man, there's good money uh, in ceiling fences. I've been doing it a while now. And that's a, that's a topic of discussion in and of itself. Um, not only is it good money in ceiling a fence, uh, there's a lot of value there. And I, I love when somebody stains the fence that I built. Makes it, makes it last longer. Definitely makes it look better. Hey man, um, did we mention about uh, our partnership with uh, with Tony and his Oklahoma deal? Yeah, you just did. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, my fence life's going to be in Oklahoma for Tony's uh, Super Summit. He's only got That's a couple July. spots That's left. Next month, right? Yeah, July tenth, I believe. <clears throat> we're going to be there, and uh, we're going to be doing testimonials of uh, people attending. We're going to interview yeah. the speakers. And we're going to have all that on the podcast as a bonus for everybody. And hopefully those uh, the links to all that will be on Tony's website so people can hit them, hear testimonials, end up on our podcast, and keep the circle of uh, fence moving, you know? It kind of sounds like something Josh Glover might be involved with. I don't know. You going, Josh? Uh, I'm trying to make it there. Um, I hear he's only got five spots left, so if people uh-huh. are interested in Growing their business. Are there any strip clubs near this place? Oh, listen. Micah's still on here. (laughs) Where's Micah Lambert at? (laughs) Where's Micah when you need him? (laughs) Oh, uh, man. I I, I think Mark Olson's going to be instructing there. And uh, Mm -hmm. um, Matt Warner. Matt Matt Warner. Nathan Downs. Sam Nutella. Yeah, that's like if you want to learn a wealth of knowledge about your business, take the time and go. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm sure you won't be disappointed. I haven't heard uh, that. I, I think Sean's going to be attending it. So really, nice. oh, that'd be nice, man. Of everybody, while you're there, Sam I, just had surgery on his knee. If he's in a wheelchair, I'm taking him for a ride. <laughs> I think he's laying in a hospital bed right now. Actually. He is. If, he, if, he, if he's in a wheelchair, man, I gotta push him. I'm gonna be like, "Come on, bro. We we going we going scrolling." I'm trying to have <laughs> a name like Sean. What's that? You don't even need a last, you know, he just says Sean's going to be there. Like you don't even need, need a last name. You know it's Sean King. You know that's oh, that's who he was talking about. Gotta be. <laughs> no, it was a different Sean. Yeah, S-E-A-N. different Sean. Ah, it was S E A N. Hey, Josh, welcome to the show, man. Um, Mr. Fence of Florida, give us a little introduction. Who is Josh Glover? Uh the fence guy that. Uh, Enjoys being part of this industry. I started out in the underground coal mines uh, when I was, Dan said, Sean, uh, 19. Um, and uh, I was really sad to leave that industry because it was a very small, tight-knit industry. And, you know, it's like a brotherhood. And <clears throat> fell right into the fence industry. And and I'll be darned if I didn't find the same exact thing. Uh, possibly a little better, actually. So fence industry is a very small industry believe it or not it's very tight-knit and a lot of great people that are all willing to help each other out so you know i think this is kind of safe to say like all of my friends are fence friends really Mm -hmm. pretty much majority of them yeah (laughs) i can agree with that man 
Oh, that's some real fence light. Dan, Dan, you have a big circle, dude. I see you going out to these restaurants with these people. I do, man, but I, I got a bunch of fence friends, a bunch of them. All my friends either work for me or they have a fence company in like another state. Yeah. That's like the prerequisite. That's how I am. I've literally have to now, I've caught myself now when I'm texting uh, my friends because they all live across the nation. I have to put, you know, CST behind the time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've learned that I apparently live in fake, fake Florida because if I tell people a certain time, they automatically assume that it's Eastern, especially Sam Nutello. If he's tuning in. Uh, <laughs> he ought to so be. I, I have to put CST. Otherwise, everybody just assumes that I'm on Eastern time, even though we're on Central. Fake Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm real good for texting Brian. Uh with the FWA at like four o'clock in the morning because he's two hours behind us. But like, bro, about that guy huh? making waves, dude. He's doing some things, man. He's got some great, uh, great ideas, and uh, he's he he's just taking things to a new deal. I think it's great. I think it's. Uh, I, I like what he's doing. You know, I like he's to see anybody this. that's moving the industry forward. Yeah. So, uh, Josh. <clears throat> Dan, I was I was in Panama City. When was that, Josh? A week ago today? Roughly? Last weekend. Yeah, not even long ago at all. Damn, six days ago, five days ago. Probably feels well, like longer with all the stops you made. <laughs> it, they, <laughs> that was the longest and, and and fun, fun. It was the longest four days I've had in a long time. Like we, so so Dan, we flew down to to to, to see Josh, and we uh, we rented a Penske truck, and we we went by Mister Fence, and we loaded we loaded a fifteen foot Penske truck. Like side to side, floor to top, with Olympus vinyl uh, vinyl fence, uh-huh. uh, and drove it back home. So it was really fun. We got there like Thursday morning. We went. We got an Uber straight from the airport to the Penske place. Went from there to the uh, to the Mister Fence yard. Loaded up. Almost died. It was so hot. Um, then from there we went. Uh, we went to the hotel for a little bit. Then we ended up at Josh's house. We rented a freaking uh, what was that thing we were driving, Josh? A slingshot. Slingshot. Yeah, uh, that's one of them three wheel motorcycles. Yes. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and like, dude, it drives just like a Polaris Ranger. It's it's not as not as like fast or fun as it looks. I will tell you that. So, anyways, so yeah, we rented a slingshot. We went over to Josh and Lauren's house and we ate. Uh, they ordered in a crawfish boil, which is really cool that you can do that. So uh-huh. I'm sure you can do that in Louisiana. Yeah, if you want to, or you can just. They brought they brought the bull to the house and we sat there and ate in Josh's new place. Um, and just kind of hung out. Uh, they drank some beer and I didn't. Uh, Got that seventy-eight five-day channel. Now, that's to be clear, I didn't drink beer because I don't like beer, but I did drink tequila. <laughs> well, I will say this: this seventy-five hard that you're doing, Cannon. Yeah, it's really interfering with our friendship because you know when he talk calls me. When he's on the track going, walking, <sighs> yeah, and, and I'm like, hey, I need you to look at this Google Doc. Okay, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? I, I got to get my 75 hard in. <laughs> hey, two, two, two 45 minute uh, exercises a day, um, a gallon of water a day, 10 pages out of a nonfiction book a day, mm-hmm. um, and you have to take a picture of yourself every single day. Hey, can we take a second to talk about Michael Brooks who this had up there and how much yeah. I love his videos? Yes, dude, they're great. I laughed incredibly hard at the one that he made about the uh, the L.A. 
500 control box with the screws <laughs> on the back of it because I went through the same stuff. Like, and it's oh. incredibly aggravating. Like, how hard would it be to put a washer on the back of there? And I hope somebody from LiftMasters listened to this. Like, really, how hard would it be to just put it on? There? So what is, is it like a screw that costs like $95 or something? Yeah, there's like a special machine screw, and you can't even get them at a hardware store. And mm-hmm. it's aggravating to people like Michael, I'm sure, and anybody else that wants to install the correct product, you know, as it's supposed to be from the factory. And then you lose one of those screws. And I'm sure there's people out there that will just put a deck screw or something in it. But, I mean, to me, it has to have the right screw. And then you can't find the right screw. Uh, and every time you flip it open, they, they fall out on the ground. So Right. Yeah. Sorry, Get it together, LiftMaster. Is that, is that is Listen, that I hope Shelly is listening and that she can make an impact. Or is it Shelly or Shelby? I think it's Shelby. I don't know. From where? She works for LiftMaster. Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyways, she. That's probably like a running joke over at LiftMaster. Like they probably walk up and says, "Hey, you want to screw?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be ninety-five dollars in five weeks. Michael, I feel your pain. Yeah. Well, let's get into this uh, show, man. We're talking inventory, right? Three steps for beginners to inventory management, retail, retail sales. Listen, three steps is a very Modest amount of steps, right? More steps to well, it. we got to make it three, A through B, three. You know, that's why I said beginner. That's why I said beginner. Get people started, then we can go into death on another show. Pick up where we well, leave off. If you want me to start in on a, a spill on it, uh, essentially, you know, everybody starts, you know, at, at the same starting point, pretty much. And like, if you're if you're less than a million dollar a year company, it's more than likely you're buying materials from, from vendors and elsewhere and you're paying the tax on it whenever you buy it. Uh, and that that's fine if you, you use it for a service. Um, and depending on what state that you're in, um, most states or a large majority of states say that as long as you have a lump sum contract that you don't have to have a uh, charge tax on your uh, materials when you sell it. But some states... Um, say that if you line item your materials and you assign a price to it on your final contract, then you have to charge sales tax on those items, not on a lump sum contract, but on an, an itemized thing. Uh, so that's really important to know on your contracts. You should always have lump sums, but the way that works is, uh, you know, stage one, people really don't know a lot about that starting up. So what happens is you pay the tax on it when you buy it. And then when you sell it retail, you charge a tax, but what people don't know is that you're actually owed a credit on the taxes that you've already paid whenever you, you sell it retail and you if charge you it. sales tax on the front end. Yes. Right. So if, if you I, already paid tax, So if I buy a right? fence board from Home Depot, pay tax on it, then I sell it to somebody and charge them at tax. Retail, not on a fence job, at right. retail. You sell right. it to somebody over the counter. Somebody walks into my yard and goes, hey, can I buy that fence board? And I sell it to them and I throw tax on it then I can get a credit. Yes. And I would like to go ahead and throw a disclaimer in the beginning uh, to everybody listening. Tax laws are different in every single state, right? Um, right. This is just a broad, broad spectrum, 10,000 foot elevation view at inventory and the advantages that you can get from it. But obviously check with your accountant and make sure uh, you're doing what's most advantageous for your business at whatever stage that your business is in. So most companies will do that for a period of time 
Um, and then when you start carrying large amounts of inventory is when it, it really um, becomes a good idea to get a resale certificate. Uh, and the reason for that is, is it say if you're carrying a million dollars in inventory and your, your tax, um, yeah, it, it, that's at retail. That's what Stephen Moore said. But if you're carrying, say you're carrying a million dollars in inventory and you paid tax on that when you bought it, well, then you just tied up 70,000 to $95,000 in cash. 975,000 in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Nine point. Seven five percent. So or, depending on your state, ninety seven point five. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be ninety seven thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> but that's a lot of money to tie up in, in cash flow, and you know, large large majority of businesses out there are operating on a credit line. So then you take that, you know, anywhere from seventy thousand to uh, ninety seven thousand five hundred dollars, and you start uh, accruing whatever your credit line's interest rates is. Um, you got really good credit it's normally prime plus half a percent and it goes up from there but then you add that to it you you know you could be tying up 120 to 150 thousand dollars in cash flow pretty easily mm. on a million dollars in inventory and paying and interest on it and to me that's an interesting uh like kind of a, 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 a perspective is, is why you should not why you would want to have a resale certificate because i can take fifty thousand dollars and i can buy $55,000 worth of lumber, you know? Have you got good negotiating skill? Well, no, I'm saying like if I if, if I had to pay tax on $50,000 of lumber, it would cost me 55000 up front. Or yeah. I can use the resale certificate and pay no taxes and it's just $50,000. And I can use that other 5000 yeah. something different. Right. Yeah. Instead so, of tying up your credit and paying interest on it. Correct. Yeah, step two, broad spectrum would be like the guy that just commented that says he pays no tax and then he charges a tax whenever he sells it. But if you were using that um, for installation in your company on a lump sum contract, right? You pay use tax on it, not sales tax. And it, long story short, you, you have to pay your state sales tax either in the beginning or the end, right? And moving from one form of bookkeeping to another basically just moves it from here to, and, you know, in a realistic point of view, why would you want to tie up that money sitting on your yard when you could be using it elsewhere? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's step two. Get your resale certificate. Um, you can buy it wholesale. And then it gets really complicated because QuickBooks, and this is where I hope Zach Payton jumps in, because he, he figured out a way to do it minus um, the, the importing and stuff that I do. But... QuickBooks is notoriously horrible for tracking sales tax and use tax mm. at the same time. Whenever we were doing it, the only way we could figure out how to do it accurately was we had a separate Excel sheet that we tracked all of our purchases that were bought at wholesale. And then we turned that into our accountant at the end of every month and we paid use tax on that. That way you have some kind of record of it just because it was, it was a huge pain for us to try and track it in QuickBooks. And the reason that's a pain is uh, because whenever you, you bring the invoice in, you have to charge the tax and everything to it. And then you have to record it into the cost of the item so that it pulls out accurately when you job cost, which is a whole conversation for a, a separate show if you want to go into job costing. But that's essentially step two. And from my, my experience, nobody really stays in step two from – for very long 
the reason that we moved on to step three was because um, we started importing materials and then some other things that we were doing material wise it made it even harder in QuickBooks. So we went with an inventory management system and just for a 10,000 foot elevation. Um, if the reason that was so hard in QuickBooks is because you have to assign a cost to an item when you purchase it. But whenever you ship things overseas, you really don't know the cost um, if you're doing it yourself until it arrives. Right. So then there's some brokers out there that will, will give you a set cost in the beginning and say, Hey, I'll sell it to you at this much a section, but they're selling it to you for that much a section because they're, they're guaranteeing that they're going to make a profit and make enough to cover the bills. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you do it yourself, you can't really assign all the expenses to the item and create a cost per item until you have all of the expenses for that item. So what was the problem I was running into is you would pay for the material, uh, which would be one invoice. Uh, and then when it arrives, you get a customs duties, taxes, and tariffs, depending on where you buy it from, which is another invoice. And then two weeks after that, you get another invoice for the shipping. Um, that's typically doing 30 days. So, and th that doesn't sound like much, but whenever that's over a two month period and you're like selling jobs based on material that's coming in, you really want to know your numbers on that. Mm -hmm. So right. we went to a, uh, a third party inventory management system, which has worked out great for us. We actually heard about it from Mark Olson. He was using it in Wyoming. Uh, it's called uh, Lightspeed Retail, but it gives us the ability to uh, issue POs and we track the, the cost of every single job. Um, once the job is done, um, one thing I love about POs is when you send a PO to a vendor and you know they, they agree to fill it for that price, that's usually the price that you're getting at which is great whenever we went through the issues that we went through, of course, of course last year where the, you get a landlord that said, uh, everything's going up by 5% effective yesterday. By right. the way, here's your bill, mm -hmm. which now I'm not knocking vendors. It was a very challenging market and everybody did the best that they could. Um, yeah. But it was one way that gave us a little bit more negotiation in that area. So, uh, my favorite thing about a PO is if you issue a PO, just like you said, you know, the cost and it's locked in. The moment that, that that product comes off of a truck and there's a, a you know a loading ticker or a bill of lading or whatever, <clears throat> that can be turned in, married to that PO, and everything entered into the to the to, to the inventory or the 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 POS system or whatever you got at that point. Yeah, so in time. When, when we issue a PO, it has every single part on there, down to every piece of hardware and the number of nails that we bought. And when a truck arrives, there's there's always a PO for the most part that matches that truck. Yeah. And then the shop can match the PO to the truck. And it you know, it's a good thing for vendors because vendors like to be, you know, clear and concise and make sure everybody's happy and on the same. And if there's a problem, we want to identify it as quick as possible because it's a whole lot easier to tell a vendor, hey man, I ordered this nine thousand dollar gate operator package and it didn't show up. And if you tell them that day, well, then obviously it got dropped off somewhere between where they started and sure. and your shop. So they can just go back to those places and find it. If you tell them 30 or 60 days later, you sign the paper. It's your baby. So uh, we've had a lot of luck with it. Um, the next phase that we're going to do is uh, e-commerce. Um, it's kind of a daunting task. That, that so let's. Can we stay on that? Can we stay on that light speed for just a second? 
Well, yeah, I got, I got that, it. that is Lightspeed. It does the e-commerce for you. Once you put all your parts in there, you so, sync it to Google and it sells it for you. So is it fair to say that, that Lightspeed is, is an inventory management system that also has POS capability, meaning somebody can walk in and buy something and swipe their card through Lightspeed? How does that work? It's actually it- more managed as a POS, uh, which is a point of sale for people that might not know what that is. Um, but it's, yeah, people can come in and swipe a card and it's got different pricing levels in there. Like we have uh, retail pricing and then contractor pricing, and then we've set up internet sale pricing and then you've got wholesale pricing and it's based on whoever comes in the door to buy it. And that way, anybody in the office, somebody calls in and says, Hey, I want to order this, this, and this. So I'm like type it into Lightspeed and the price is already in there. And the other thing I love about it is since you're issuing POs to buy everything, then um, Lightspeed is actually tracking the average cost of that good over time, right? So if you if you call and order some pipe and um, that pipe historically has cost you $13.21 and a vendor tells you, I, I by the way, that's uh, $21.17 per pipe, you're like, wait, wait a minute. Either there was a mistake or we need to update our pricing. And then you can go in and change that to reflect the current market. Um, and then our sales team actually quotes off of those prices. So it's a real-time historical data on whatever we have in inventory or whatever we bought. We know exactly what we paid for it. So does does Lightspeed do weighted cost? Um, what do you mean weighted cost? Like I bought it 10 and this time I bought – I got material in my yard that was at $10. And I just bought it 12 So it gives you a weighted cost of – all right, you should be selling at eleven fifty. So it gives you a couple of different options. Um, the most common used in just about any industry is an average cost. But the problem with an average cost is it's slow to react. So if you're selling based on an average cost in a market that is escalating very quickly, right, then you're going to lose your butt very quickly because you're paying more for the inventory that you're running through. And it's going to take a while for that average cost to increase. Now, if you continue to use the average cost, you will actually make it up on the back end whenever the market comes back down, assuming it comes back down. But that's so that's a huge risk and it'll tie up a lot of cash flow. Mm-hmm. We um, saw that when COVID, when COVID first happened, all right, and, and a four by four, just, just an example, went from like six fifty to $18. And like, you, you, you guys remember eight weeks maybe? Yeah, we yeah. lost. We lost on the front end. You know, a lot of a lot of people did. You know, uh, nobody you can't foresee a, a four by four tripling in cost in just right. a few weeks. You know, but on the other side of that was that 2020 when COVID was a, was a thing. I guess it's still a thing, but when, when it happened, uh, on, on on the flip side of that, if you guys remember in the winter, like December 2020, those four by fours plummeted. The, 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 that lumber commodity plummeted. Um, mm-hmm. Damn near back to seven and eight dollars for for a short period of time, you know, and so we lost on the front end. That's what happened here at Jackson Fence. But on the back end, we made it back, you know, because we were still selling four by four for sixteen, seventeen dollars, but we were getting them for eight, nine dollars for a short period of time. So, um, yeah, when you got forty jobs on the books, that was at the twenty-one dollars for a four by four, and it drops to eleven. You know, you make it up then. But it, yeah, it's crazy. I like crazy. this comment from, uh, from Brian. Um, Brian says, you should always sell based on your replacement costs. I feel that, Brian. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mark Olson's so in there. That is, is there is a there's a first in last out feature that you can use in that system that basically prices it. Um, yeah, FIFO or last in first out. There's Mark. Yeah, Mark's in there you talking in options, acronyms, which is what I was going to go into on the average cost. It, it's easier to do average cost, and when a market's stable, it's fine. But when you have drastic up and downs, um, using first in first out or last in first out. Uh, is a very valuable tool because when, when the market is climbing, you can switch um, what what style that you want to use in your system, and it'll mm-hmm. automatically change the prices. And if you don't have a system to help you keep track of this, you, you I mean, you're almost relegated to, to use last in first out, regardless. That's what we do because I don't have a system, you know. And so it's like, well, what is the cost of it right yeah. now that I'm buying, you know? And that's the really last in first out can be dangerous if you pay. Yeah, oh yeah. Fifteen dollars for it, and then then now it's selling for ten. So it's really staying on top of your inventory and your pricing will will save you large large sums of money over a year's time. Um, take the lumber market for answer, uh, for instance. Um, if you buy directly from a, a treatment facility, uh, their their prices react in real time to the market weekly. Like they change weekly, and they yeah. sometimes they can change drastically every weekly. Friday. Yeah. Um, so if you watch the um, stocks on it or the, or the trades online and, and you see like a huge drop and it's plummeting, what I typically do is wait until it hits the bottom and then ticks up. And as soon as it ticks up, then we buy a couple truckloads of lumber. Right. Um, if it's at its peak, then you'll find that you can actually get a lot of your wood cheaper um, from Home Depot or Lowe's or some of your other vendors because they they have already have it in stock. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and if you time it backwards at the wrong time, you'll pay a boatload of money for some wood that, you know, you, you didn't get any benefit of. That's why I tell Cannon all the time um, that one of my uh, sayings is that you, you can save nickels in the fields, but you can burn $100 bills in your office. Because if you stay on top of that and you're ordering tens or hundreds of thousand dollars, you know, a, a week or a month in material and, and you save 10%, because you were paying attention, then it's going to take a whole lot of time to make that up um, on a job. I mean, you, know, you can go well, over by a week on a one-day job and still be better off. The way the way we did it was is we bought our material. Of course, you got to make your first buy, whatever. And then every week we had an auto email. I went to Home Depot, and I had them price my normal inventory stock. And we watched that price. And we'd watch it go down and we'd watch it go up. And then we knew what was coming because Home Depot is always behind because they've already bought, right? So their price would be lower than everybody else. So we knew the, we knew we need to buy because it's going up. And then we saw it going down, we'd wait and then buy when it dropped. So it was kind of a, it's kind of a game that you play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there's ways to avoid that. Um, Master Halco, Merchants Metals, Stevens Pipe and Steel, those are all great companies that keep that stuff in stock. And, you know, their prices stay pretty steady and they do a, a good job of notifying you when it goes up and down. So if, if, you're, yeah, if you're not ready to take on an inventory challenge, uh, I, would, I would be safer buying things through them than I would uh, Lowe's or Home Depot. Because so... Um, couple of couple of little points here. Um, 
Josh, there's a lot of ups and downs right now, right? Not as bad as it was. Well, but but relatively to like, let's go back to 2017, you know? And, and Dan, Dan, you're checking it. You said weekly, you know? Uh, look, 2019, we didn't do that stuff, you know? Four by four was $7. We knew it. Bank right. on it, you know? So a couple of things. And, and, and Josh, you just, just kind of mentioned like, hey, if you're not ready to take on the inventory battle, um, use merchants, use, use, use Halco, use Stevens, use your local, you know, fence distributors. Um, I just want to kind of echo that. Like you, you can't get your lead time out too far because the stuff is changing. You know, if you don't have it sitting on your yard, if you don't know the last end, the first end, if you don't know the average cost, if you don't have it and it's, you know, you're not going to do the job for nine weeks. You have no way of knowing what that, Material will cost in nine weeks, you know. So it's a, uh, it is a game. It's it's a, it's a, almost a stressful game. Like I, we've we've I think we've all kind of gotten numb to it and used to it, and and you know materials are kind of slowly becoming more um, online and more available. Uh, costs are becoming a little bit more predictable, uh, but I, we all went through it. Two thousand and twenty, man, it whooped my butt. Like it was a, it was a. Damn near a twenty-four hour game trying to find even the simplest of items, like a like a picket, you know. And when you did find find them, you you didn't know what it was going to cost you, you know. Yeah. Um, luckily, we've seen some some stability come back online, and um. So, but inventory, um, you know, we're we're kind of looking at this, Josh and Dan, from a high level. Um, uh, but it all starts the same way. I mean, most most people, we, you start building fence, and over time, you just kind of start accumulating a little, little stockpile, you know. And as you're accumulating that stuff, you you don't have like little home locations for that stuff. So kind of you just kind of got this big old bucket of like different fittings that you had to purchase for a job, but you didn't use them on the job. You just kind of hold on to them, you know. And over time, that stuff begins to grow on you, you know. Um, that's what happened to Jackson Fence. We had boneyards and, and, and overstock and, and all of this stuff. And then, um, you know, ordering every job, buy the job. That works great, just, just, just for the record, you know. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tried and true method, um, especially if your lead time isn't too long. And you know, you, you, know, you, you, can, you can sell a job and order it and, and put it in the ground in two or three weeks. You know, that's a tried and true method, in my opinion. Um, yeah, everybody starts that way. Yeah, as you get busier, um, it becomes very difficult to get that just-in-time inventory down to a science. You know, you start missing dates and and, and you fall behind on your on your production schedule, and so you start saying, "Hey, you know what? <clears throat> I'm always having a hard time making sure I've got this this these these chain link components. So let's just order like." Um, a bundle of them this time instead of ordering, I know I need 15. Let's just order, you know, uh, 61 or whatever the bundle is and we'll have them. We'll have them for this job. We'll have them for next job. So Josh, when, when you're ordering job lot, I'm saying, Hey, I'm ordering this job from Mrs. Smith and that, that, that $1,500 material order, I'm going to cost to that $3,000 job that we just did from Mrs. Smith. But then when I turn around and I start to order, not just for Mrs. Smith, but now, hey, I need seventeen, but let me get sixty-one from you, and I'm gonna use seven. I'm gonna use seventeen for Mrs. Smith, 
and the balance I'm going to hold on to. What do you? How do you? What do you put that material in the in the interim while you're holding on to it? It would go on your balance sheet as an asset. You, um, I mean, there's a couple different ways to do it, but <clears throat> the simplest is if you're not tracking each individual item. Um, like we used to track each individual item under inventory in QuickBooks, which QuickBooks has a feature to do it for you. Um, and that is held as an asset on your balance sheet. Um, cause you can't, you can't really expense it out if you still have it. And the, I think the whole reason we're having this conversation now is a few weeks ago, a guy mentioned on here that he had like a like million dollars in inventory or something that wasn't reflected on his books. You know, what do I do about that? Well, First off, um, having a million dollars in inventory that's not reflected on your books means that you have a million dollars in assets that weren't actually expensed out that you owe taxes on. That's heavy, bro. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, was it a million? I don't remember. I, it was 500. It was a big no. It was big enough that it made me read it and say, wow. I don't know if I'd have posted that. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, my point is, is, is in, in all honesty, you want to be as accurate as possible because you want to see how your business is performing. You don't want to inflate the numbers and you don't want to you know, be too low. QuickBooks is there to give you an idea how to run your company. It's, it's like gauges on an airplane or in a car. It's your fuel gauge. It's, um, you know, knowing your numbers is what should make most of the decisions in your, in your company. So in short, Inventory is an asset. Anything that you spend, yeah, anything that you spend money on that uh, you you didn't get rid of, like you still have the asset, then that money should still be reflected in your books yeah. somewhere. And if you're still struggling with trying to understand QuickBooks, which I completely understand because I did it first too, um, in the simplest terms, you've got assets, liabilities, income and expenses. Well, income and expenses are recorded on your balance sheet or your profit and loss and assets and liabilities are recorded on your balance sheet. So until you actually get rid of the money and you can't get it back and you're not still sitting on something, then it is on your balance sheet. It's an asset. And then once you spend it on materials, <laughs> inventory is not, it's an asset. And, so and you know what? A lot of times you'll see in December, people are like, hey, tax or, or is in the <laughs> hey, let's, let's coming up. People out there that in December will move all the inventory off their yard and take pictures that are time stamped and dated. And that's fine. <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, I, I see I see people go out and they, they, they you know, they spend twenty thousand dollars on inventory thinking, hey, let's 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 create an expense at the end of the year. But it's not it's not an expense. until you, no, and Josh, expense. you, you, you explain this to me use it on a job. Yeah. Yeah, you explained this very well. Um, it's like you're not doing as well right now. I need you to say it just like you told me before. <laughs> but when you buy it, it's an it's it, it, when you when you buy material, it's 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 inventory period, which is an asset, and it it's not an expense period until it's used or sold. Yeah. Either way, uh, you take that a step further. What what I like to do and what we do in our accounting is I want the expenses and the in, or expenses and the income to hit at the exact same time right so if you have if, if you finish a job then you enter the income in that job uh, and then you put the expenses in at the same time so you can literally see week to week month to month exactly how your company's performing um, and if you don't then it's really a guessing game and that's you know 
still not 100% accurate because you can have a job that's complete and the payroll stretch out but from one month to a month. And you could technically move that around, but it would it's just not worth the effort. But uh, materials is your, you know, your big piece of the project. And if you get that at the same time, your income hence, then you get an accurate percentage of how your company performed that month. Uh, if you don't and you have the the income in this month and the expenses in this month, you'll be scratching your head trying to think how you, you had a 2% net one month and a 19% net another. Your company still performed the same. You just didn't account for it the right way. I'm learning all kinds of shit, bro. <laughs> I'm just quiet. I'm just sitting here going, okay, download uh, everything. But it's something I really grabbed a hold of. I've, I've, I've enjoyed learning that. <laughs> that part of the business. I, I say enjoy now, whenever at first I did not enjoy it because I didn't understand it. And there's still a lot of stuff that I don't understand. I call my accountant and I say, Hey, what's this? Uh, we had a, a problem with, with payroll liabilities. It was off by like 300 and something dollars throughout the year on our, our nine forty ones. And it wasn't matching up and long story short, and the, the accountant fixed it, but it was a, it was actually a glitch in QuickBooks. It was nobody's fault. We had to get QuickBooks involved to get it fixed. Wow. So, so Josh, you called me earlier today, um, and uh, you were like, "What are you doing?" I said, "You, you really want to know?" He's like, "Yeah." I said, "I'm working." <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, "No, listen, I'm on hold. Um, I don't know who the hell I was on hold with. Maybe Eastern Metals. I can't remember who who it was. But anyways, um, you were proud of me, man. And when Josh is proud of me, that makes me proud of myself. But I was actively setting up accounts with different. Um, suppliers, you know, uh, I set up three accounts today. You said it earlier, earlier, Hey, if you buy lumber from a treatment facility, I set up three accounts today with different treatment facilities, mm-hmm. you know? So Josh, you, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, if you buy from treatment facilities, who's, who's able to do that? And when do you start doing that? Uh, whenever you can afford to have a truckload of lumber sitting on your yard, just keep in mind, it's the same thing as a stack of dollar bills sitting out there. Yeah. Uh, but when you get to to that stage, then you can save a little bit of money there. And and really, the whole point is to as your company gets bigger, like you have to find ways to be more cost effective. Um, thanks, Zach. Uh, yeah, there's um, a curl and a cat is cash basis is the other method for accounting, which um, I don't like, and I can't. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to explain it because I would probably mess it up. Once but, you, once you, uh, is it true? Like in the beginning, everything is kind of cash based accounting. Most companies will start on a cash basis um, at first, uh, and then when you switch from cash to curl, and you want to do that in a profitable year because it makes you look a whole lot worse. But curl, um, <laughs> my bad. I don't ever get the R's right in that word. But since we're on that talk, the, the one part I left out on making your income and expenses match is a lot of people are probably thinking, well, when I get a deposit, how do I record that? Well, a deposit is not income. It's actually a liability until you complete the job and the customer actually owes you money. Right. So your deposit is recorded as a liability on your balance sheet as a customer deposit. Um, and then whenever you finish the job and you record or you, you send the final invoice, then at the same time you move the customer deposit over. Uh, and then QuickBooks will actually pull it over for you if you do everything through there. 
but we don't anymore. So we actually have to go in and manually move the customer deposit over. Mark's right about that as well. Matt Warner said that before as well. Yeah, Mark Olson said you can keep your books in a curl, whatever, but file taxes on cash basis. None of us can say that word, right? Curl. <laughs> a curl. Curl. The A word. So, um, well, so look, man, I'm set up with Great Southern, and I have not made a purchase from them yet because that was Great Southern. Is that a lumber. Company? Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a treatment plant. And I'm set up with those guys, and I haven't bought the first piece of lumber from them because they're always higher than everybody else. Well, well, it goes back to what I said earlier. When the price is on the rise, you're not you're not going to have any luck buying it from it. They're, they're going to be the first people to raise it. When the prices are jumping, they're going to raise yeah. it first. However, when the prices are dropping, that's when they're first to drop it. Yeah. We'll see what Brian says here. Brian said, stay cash as long as... As you can, because you can't go back. It's like uh, you know those well, trick pictures when it's like, "Hey, look at this picture, and what do you see?" And like the, at first, you see like a couple of teacups or whatever, and then you look a little harder. It's like, "Oh wow, that's two people looking at each other." It's like once you see those two people looking at each other, you can't help but see those two people looking at each other anymore. And that's the same way with like the curl or counting. You like at first, all you can all you can wrap your head around is cash, you know. But then when you see the when you start using a curl every day, all day. And, and, and your customer deposits are, are, are based in that accrual uh, process. Your inventory is based in that accrual process. Uh, your payables in that accrual process. Like once you see that, you can't wrap your head around the cash basis anymore. And it's no different than, in my opinion, seeing two teacups or seeing two women looking at each other. <laughs> That's the best way for me to, for me to say it. You know? I love this guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. I mean, I personally, both of them are, are, are good methods for accounting, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Personally, I see the teacups and the women still. I like accrual better. Um, Robert is <laughs> also right with keep good relationships with few vendors. Definitely. Um, and, and I would like to follow up everything I said with about pricing and, and everything else. If you've got a vendor that takes care of you and a rep that answers the phone, um, and, and does a good job, then then loyalty still means something in it this does. Yeah. So. I mean, I bought, I just bought, we just bought our stock for our yard this month. And uh, <clears throat> I kind of felt bad, man, because I didn't give everything to, to Halco, but I hadn't bought anything from this other company in a while. So I had to throw them a bone to keep them there and keep that relationship open. I paid a little bit more from, from them. But I got to keep that relationship going because I can't have all my eggs in one basket, you know? That's right. So, and then I had another lumber company coming here today. And they're like, man, when are we going to do some business? I'm like, Jesus, they're so high. But I need to have them in my back pocket because when the pandemic hit, if it wouldn't have been for them, I wouldn't have had fence boards. So it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's chess, not checkers, right? That it's a say, fine John? line. Both, actually. <laughs> what did you say? I said it's both. It's Same both. Time, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like having options too, Alan. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we're not. I'm not buying from merchants or Stevens or how I'm buying from the from the person. You know, I'm buying from Shane. Or, yeah, or, or I'm not buying or, or yeah. Brian. I'm buying from the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if the person sucks, well, guess what? <laughs> You'll find somebody else. 
Unless the price is right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I want to give Micah some props to if he's still on here. He, uh, Mike. he really put the work in to earn our business, and he's been getting a large majority of our operators for Micah who? Michael Lambert, and he's awesome. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy, man. Um, I was chatting with him last week. I was in Baton Rouge, and I stopped in at his branch and was like, man, I'm going in to see him, and you you can't go in that branch still. They still got COVID rules. You can't go in that branch, so we hung out in the parking lot. But, uh, yeah, Mike That's is a good guy. Saying, hey, we don't want you here. Yeah. Mike is a good guy. <laughs> and actually, I had an issue with uh, Mike's salesman on the uh, fencing side because he only does operators. And I just placed an order from them trying to – I guess he's trying to earn our trust back because his salesman was a no-call, no-show on a meeting. And, uh, yeah, so – but I just placed an order with them trying to keep that relationship going. Heck, you know? yeah. Heck, yeah. Yeah, he's right on that. And we all experienced that uh, at the beginning of COVID when vendors started dropping people and uh, oh, yeah. you know, it was all over Facebook and, uh, you know, they, they downsized to service their larger clients. And, uh, you know, I agree vendors have a right to fire either bad customers or in a lot of cases, it was just their smaller customers after COVID started. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people in the fence industry took, uh, took that to heart and that's why you have a lot more people shopping and buying instead of just sticking with the same vendors because the vendors can just offload the companies like that then you know what's the difference it definitely changed the buying patterns you know somebody that really impressed me throughout the the whole <laughs> inventory crisis of 2021 that's what we're going to name it right thank you josh uh, is jareth uh everybody else was was either raising prices or they were dropping customers and and not taking new clients and everything else. And uh, Jareth just shut her down. He said, we're not taking any orders for, it was like three months. Yeah. Um, And it, it, you know, it it aggravated a lot of people up front, but you know, I, I thought about it and I was like, you know, that's really, in my opinion, one of the more right things to do because, you know, we can't keep up with our current, um, demand right we can't supply it we're already we've already got orders all the way up until you know whatever it was december so let's just stop accepting orders make sure we fulfill all of those and we take care of the, the current customers and then we'll fix the system and, and start it back up in december and they did that and uh that i mean i thought that was yeah it was february before i was able to order anything from jareth i had yeah. a customer had a jareth fence had a tree fall on it we couldn't figure out a replacement and um <clears throat> she didn't want to wait so we ended up altering some uh diggers to make it work but yeah it was like february i was told give us a call february 1st you could place an order yeah um uh, i think everybody experienced that was that just put it on there but what is it what does it mean no notice price increases on out he's talking about vendors sending you notices like you placed an order 30 days ago and they send you something that says We've got a five to eight percent increase on all orders effective immediately that haven't shipped, shipped yet. Even yeah. Though the order so he's, he's he's saying that destroyed his loyalty. Yeah, um, and that's kind of what I was in that with. You know, the the, the person made the comment earlier about uh, vendors firing bad customers, and 
you know, I mentioned loyalty. Um, Vice versa, too, though. That that took a hit during the, the su- supply crisis of twenty twenty one. And I think it'll come back, but you know, fence fence companies had to survive. They had to they had to find materials somewhere. We couldn't just stop putting in fence. So nope. it's one of the reasons I started importing materials. Uh, I'm I'm definitely anybody that, that's friends with me on Facebook knows I'm I'm pro USA and I obviously would much rather buy things domestically. Uh, but if there's a a comparable product or even a better product at a better price and I can supply it to my customers um, a better product at a better price, then uh, as a business owner, you're, you're also obligated to do that. That's, a, that's, that's as a business owner, but also as a fence guy. Hey, if we're not putting fence into the ground, yeah, you're we're not water. making money. That's how we make revenue. You do your research, you'll find that uh, you know once you, you reheat – PVC um, or you know the vinyl or the resin, it, it breaks down molecularly, and you can only reuse it. Uh, I think it's like one, maybe two times before uh, you start losing the strength of the PVC. Uh, and then over the last few years, everybody has noticed that uh, posts are, are kinking a lot more. Like in, in small windstorms, you get all the posts to kink. They used to not do that. Uh, one of the reasons could be because it has the the recycled vinyl on the inside. If you look at it, it's ninety percent recycled, and then it's just got a thin coating of the the virgin material on the top of it. So um, we we unloaded a our second container today of Olympus vinyl fence, and th- today we unloaded ten, and I cannot wait to go put it into the ground. But Josh, we're it's funny because like this this Olympus uh, vinyl we unloaded today was like three days too late, I guess. So we that's why we flew down to Panama City and loaded that Penske truck full of Josh's inventory because we uh, man we landed a deal with with a with a couple of general contractors who are building this this new subdivision. And what's cool is we got to uh, we got to put the fence in that encompasses the subdivision. And what that means is all these houses that, that, that need a fence to tie up to that fence, they're going to want Olympus Final Fence from Jackson Fence Company. So it's just a win-win. So it was like a thousand percent worth it for me to drive down there and hang out with Josh and hang out at the pool uh, for a couple of days and drive a Penske truck back up to Tennessee to like pretty much lock in that business. And Josh, we, we've, we put that in this week and um, man, it's pretty. Pretty product, seven inch rails, uh, two by seven rails, uh, just gorgeous product. So it's pretty heavy duty stuff too. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of competitors out there that have yeah you know, different things that make their their vinyl different, um, and a lot of those things aren't necessarily to make it better. It's because they've engineered the product to have thicker walls and thicker PVCs. And they had to add those things to still hold up to to the original PVC. So, uh, you know, they, they've added things to their project, our product, to hold it together so that it will it will span like it's supposed to and not sag, which isn't a bad thing. I'm all for capitalism, but uh, if you can get 100% virgin PVC, uh, it's a very thick extrusion. And you don't need all those other things. You get, you got a higher impact rating. Um, you, like Cannon said, if it chips, you don't have a different color 
vinyl on the inside. I think that they're stronger. I haven't done any tests yet. I actually challenged Sean earlier to uh, test. Here we go again, Sean. No last name needed. Yeah. Well, everybody. Yeah. But uh, to test all four products in the industry, because uh, I, wow. I like which one was better, are, are just four major products. And and see, instead of everybody just saying, well, this one's better because of this, this one's better because of that. I know based on the te- technical information that I read, people that I talked to that, that run vinyl extrusion places, um, they, they're they the ones that told me those things uh, about it. They're, I mean, they're all basically the same. They all... Uh, have the uh, was it ten percent TiO two? It's titanium oxide, and that's like the sunscreen on it that keeps it from fading. Um, every one of the suppliers has that. Every one of them has the the thirty year warranty or the lifetime residential warranty. Um, but what is this coal coal based resin that Zach's talking about? That Peyton, he, he leaves a comment that says, "Got to be careful of coal-based resin." There are there are definitely companies that that do use that. Um, we the company that we use um, has assured us that they don't use a coal-based resin, um, and we we haven't had any issues out of it. Um, but on that note, I wasn't t- saying all those things about virgin vinyl just because. Um, of the, the the fintech vinyl or the Olympus vinyl. Well, I was saying that because Eastern vinyl um, actually makes it the same way. They they don't use any recycled material. They use 100% virgin vinyl. They use recycled or, or thicker walls, uh, and it's a good product. And that's not it's not saying the other products out there aren't good products. They're they all hold up. They all carry the same warranty. It depends on availability and your relationships and whether or not you can source it and what you can sell it at, really. That's right. So, even though we went down a little rabbit hole on vinyl... Um, well, no, no. that's It's inventory. Talking about inventory, right? <laughs> and let's not leave the rabbit hole yet. Guess where I'm going tomorrow, guys? Where are you going tomorrow, guy? Uh, I'm going to South Bend, Indiana to pick up a CMM router. Was it CCM? Either way. Listen, <laughs> you tell Adam Faulkner hi whenever you get up there. And you want to talk about a salesman. That Adam, guy, once you get hooked in with Adam, he... Uh-oh. Zach Payton's calling, guys. Call you oh, like, Zach Payton's calling? Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Hello? 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 Zach, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Zach's in the house. Hello. Zach Payton, Superior Fence and Rails on the phone. What's going on, man? What up, Zach? <laughs> Not much, man. Sorry, I was list, like listening in one year. <laughs> oh, you can't, you can't listen, the phone you can't year, listen so. to both. You have to choose one now. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I, I called in. Cannon texted me. He's like, hey, just call in. You're, you're, you're commenting. So. I'm not trying to blow up Josh's spot. So I'll just. I'll, That's I'll okay. I did it's yours. Corner. No, you were hey, you were you were trying yeah, to cold cold based resin. I was like, damn. Listen, was, Zach is welcome cool. anytime. Zach's a wealth yes, of knowledge. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. Plus, I owe him a favor. Well, you know, I mean, you know, you know, the 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 resin base matters in in vinyl fence, and so a lot of a lot of importers um, and some domestic manufacturers probably. I mean, shit. I mean, it's it's way cheaper to use coal based resin. 
you know, so it just, it has, it has issues when you, when you, you know, when people talk about vinyl fence, that turns yellow over time, you know, that's probably a coal based resin, you know, um, and people have a lot of issues with chalking over time. That's probably a coal based resin, you know, so. So, so is, you is have there to a way know what you're importing. Yeah, you can make sure that whoever you buy from, you get the SGS report and all the information on the materials actually used in the product. Right. So, Zach, what do you think about Josh's um, inventory management system um, seminar? Well, first, I missed like half of it because I was putting the kids to bed. So... I told Josh that I was like, oh, I'm going to probably miss the first like 30 minutes because I'm putting the kids to bed. Um, but Josh has, Josh has taken things to a different level than what we've done. I mean, we, we manage inventory in QuickBooks. So it's, uh, it is, uh, it's a little bit clunky uh, to do it that way, but I, I was never able to find the third party uh, light speed software that, that Josh found, but you know, um, but it, it, Mark found it. it the, yeah, well, the general theory behind it is, you know, uh, is sound, you know, I mean, like when you get to a certain size, you realize like, Hey, I can't, I can't just like cash flow all this stuff. I need to, it, it gets much harder to job cost. Um, when you get to doing, you know, let's say three to 5 million a year in revenue. So, because you're ordering so much stuff in advance that it, it, it gets, it gets difficult. So figuring out a way to, uh, have your book set up so you can, you can do job costing easily is, 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 is pretty essential, you know, and then keeping track of the inventory and all that stuff, you know, you get to, again, you get to that three to 5 million mark and you're like, okay, I need to buy pretty much everything in bulk in order to, to get the best price. And, you know, so, but Josh, Josh knows what he's doing. He's, he's really smart. And, uh, no, I think so I, I've never, I've never heard, I've never heard Josh talk about inventory and disagree with something that he said. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we got him on the show. I'm still curious to learn how mm-hmm. Zach managed to track use tax and sales tax. Um, in QuickBooks. Yeah. I tried it and it was, it was kind of working all the way up until we started, you know, like I said earlier with the importing and having it stretched out over three months, but, it's, it's still, I couldn't get QuickBooks to do it the right way. Well, we, um, so we, it's easy to track what you buy from vendors, right? And you don't pay sales tax on, right? So it's yeah. easy to track that and say, okay, this is what I bought from these vendors and I need to pay sales tax on that, right? Or, or the use tax, quote unquote. And then um, when you're selling to other folks, that's where it gets tricky, Right. Cause you're like, okay, well, I, I need to take those deductions of the use tax that I paid. Um, you know, so I'm not double paying taxes. So what we would do is we would track, um, the, we would keep track of the, uh, invoices and we would assign a, a sales rep, a, a fake sales rep called retail to those, to those, um, to those invoices because you can assign an, a, a sales rep to uh, an invoice in, in QuickBooks 
and then you can run a report on the items sold by that by that sales rep. And so we would have to manipulate it a little bit and say, okay, well, this is the this is the items the the cost of the items sold by this sales rep, and this is what the taxes that we would have paid on it. Um, and then we would figure out our deduction that way. I've got a, it takes about 15 minutes, Josh. And, and between, uh, if you, if you set it up the correctly, um, it takes about 15 minutes to, to file your, your sales and use tax return, um, with the Florida Department of Revenue. Anyway. So. so, so, so you're saying, um, you, you allocate it based on the sales rep and you have a sales rep set up called retail. We, yeah, we had a we, we had a fake sales rep called retail in in QuickBooks, and so anytime uh, an over the counter job or a retail job came in, we'd assign it to that sales rep, right? And then you can run a report on the item sold by that sales rep, and I think you can run a report on the item. I, I have to go back and look. I don't have it up in front of me right now, but. You, you can you can essentially see very easily what the cost of the items were yeah. uh, that were sold by that sales rep, and then so is, and then take a deduction accordingly. Do you have like a um, how do you process a sale? Somebody walks in, and says, hey man, can I buy can I buy a couple of gates from you? Do y'all manually like type that up in in, in the QuickBooks program, or is it well, like a like a side product? So so we. We had we had memorized transactions. We we rely heavily on memorized transactions and, and QuickBooks, right? So if somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I want to buy some six foot high white vinyl," okay. you can memorize an estimate in QuickBooks uh-huh. and say, "Okay, hey, this this you know this person came in and they wanted a panel and a post. You you know all the items that go along with any six foot high white vinyl privacy order." Huh. Correct. Yeah. So you open up, you, you know, <laughs> I know the shortcuts, right? The the keyboard shortcuts. So you hit control T and it brings up your memorized transaction list. Um, and there's your memorized transactions. Now this is all QuickBooks desktop. You know, anybody QuickBooks online, there's, there's different things that you do. So, yeah. um, I hate that word, but, but yeah, you know, well, you know, <laughs> It is so what it do you, is. Do you have um, your, do you have your pricing preset inside of that system already, or do, or, or is it something that somebody's figuring? Yeah, out it's flat? preset. It, it, you know, I, I can. You got to remember, I devised all these processes when prices didn't change every three months. You know what I mean? So, what you know? So having to keep up with all this stuff, especially across like a hundred memorized transactions. Is something that you realize, like, okay, well, this system kind of sucks um, because there's no feedback between those memorized transactions and the actual cost of the materials. So when when prices only change once a year, if you can't beat your vendor up enough to 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 fend off the price increase that they want to get because they just want to get a, a couple extra points this year, right? Like when with COVID, all the gloves are off and people are like, Hey, your prices went up 20% right now. You know, like, so, you know, so the, and we weren't doing a lot of over the counter anyways during the COVID. So, but yeah, the, 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 the memorized transactions are, are, were a pretty big part of it. So next right? I mean, Josh, I mean, that, you know, I'm sure you guys looked at that stuff. Right? Are, are you? Yeah. So the piece that I was missing was the assigning the salesperson. 
to it. That's pretty slick. That way you can search it by that. And then uh, I'm assuming that way you can report on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could just pull the yeah. material. That way you can report on. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. I had the memorize the. Yep. Can we stay there for a minute? I, yeah. I assume yeah, that would work in the job cast costing function as well, right? Yeah. So when when we, um, you know, for every type of fence that we sell, we have a memorized transaction in QuickBooks, and this is the reason why we haven't migrated to QuickBooks Online. Um, because we use the sales order function within QuickBooks desktop. Um, and QuickBooks online apparently is never going to, never going to adopt this. So we're, we're, we're figuring out what our accounting and ERP systems look like for the future. Like right now, like we've got to figure it out. Um, but yeah, there's a member. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just like eventually Intuit's going to get rid of QuickBooks desktop entirely. You know, so we don't want to, we want to be proactive and just get out of it right now. Um, we're looking at, I think, eight different ERP systems. Um, what is an ERP system? But uh, inter- enterprise re- resource planning, you know, it's basically a, a you know, an upgraded version of QuickBooks um, okay. when you get to that level. Like, uh, you know, Acumatica, a lot of suppliers um, in our industry are on Acumatica. Um, um, NetSuite is a big one. Um, S, 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 S something P. Uh, That's something a lot of, uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. That- Hey Zach, that kind of that kind of uh, probed in my mind. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say four letters, and you just say thumbs up or th- thumbs down. E R T C. E R T C. You're welcome, buddy. Yeah, Josh, you're welcome, buddy. Josh, thumbs up or thumbs down. I talked thumbs to up. Josh about that other. It's like Josh is. <laughs> that's why I thought. That's why I said at the beginning of the show I was Zach a favor. Huge favor. Yeah, I think a lot of us do actually. A Lamborghini or something. <laughs> got a Lamborghini and got uh, jail too. That, that was not smart. Got a Lamborghini and jail. <laughs> um, hey, so 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 Zach. Uh, hey, so 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 the QuickBooks, the memorized um, product listing or transactions. You said the memorized transactions that that will change a lot here like um when you're ringing up like a like a four foot galvanized chain like it's real easy to choose the wrong link pipe you know real easy like one number and somebody who doesn't know fence doesn't look at it the way that you know you or i or josh or dan would look at it and i don't know yeah listen we we don't we don't retail any we don't retail any chain link you know, it's, it's a, a lot of, a lot of customers come in. Yeah. I mean, for, for like when you're talking about vinyl fence, so we have a, you know, a standard specification for a six foot high white vinyl privacy fence. You know, there's, there's probably 40 different rail types at least out there in the industry, but we buy, you know, two, you know, so there's a standard and an upgrade. And if some somebody comes in and they want the standard, Fence. There's no, there's no keying entry. That's the, that's the whole thing with the memorized transaction. You know, they can't screw up the item that you're selling. You know, they, they, just they can only screw up the quantity. 
Right. They just adjust the quantity. That's it. You know, so, but we don't have anything for, Hey, you want to come in and buy a hundred feet of chain link? Like, no way. No way. So, so Zach, you know, uh, what, what, last, uh, sorry. No, last time you were, last time you were here, we kind of had a, uh, we talked about all kinds of stuff. We talked, it started out talking about employee benefits and then we're talking about yeah. vehicle wraps and inventory and Josh Glover ended up on the show and Dan drank, like you know, three glasses too many whiskeys. Uh, it, it's funny. It's funny you say that, man. Pepper just texted me like three minutes ago, and she's like, "Are you on a show with Josh and Zach? You better not Uh-oh. come home drunk." <laughs> <laughs> Even she remembers that night. So, so, so Zach, you you emphasized last time. Uh, you can you can you can kind of clear this up for me, but what I recall is you were doing you you would job cost a job. <laughs> prior to it being installed. I took that away from that episode. And because you were doing it that way, you were um, really honing in kind of like a just-in-time inventory management. Um, does that does that sound right? Mm, no? Um, no. Okay. No. That might have been, you know, half, more than two-thirds of the way through the bottle of scotch. <laughs> you know. He's like, I said that? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I remember you. Did you I say saying, that? Did we, like, wait, did we, did we talk about my boat? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about your 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 despise for vehicle wraps. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's what we talked about. <laughs> yeah, you definitely um, are a fan of vehicle wraps. But you were saying something uh, about the lines, no. like how you job costs prior to the job being done, and that kind of gives you an indication of how much material you need on hand. Is that ring a bell or no? No, not at all. But I mean, (laughs) no, but, but with the inventory, but look, if you have an inventory system, right? Like, you know, whether it's Lightspeed or QuickBooks, like whatever is easy for you to set up, right? Um, When you get to the point where you need to track inventory because you're buying in bulk because you want to buy, you know, you've got a big operation. You're like, okay, I'm a, I'm a big fence company now. I've, I've got, you know, I'm ordering, I'm ordering product in bulk, um, you know, but I, I don't want to keep track of it on a cash basis, right? Because you order a truckload of lumber in a month and that's $50,000 and you only install, you know, let's say $100,000 in, in wood fence. So it looks like your cost of goods is 50%. And then the next month you go into it, you install the balance of it, um, you know, and it looks like your cost of goods is really low, you know, it it really, it it really becomes hard to manage your business from the financials. So whatever inventory management system you implement, um, you know, you just want to, you want to be able to understand like, okay, this is what I have sold, right? This is, this is what I have on hand. And so then this is what I have available and then this is what my burn rate is, right? Like, what's your burn rate? Like, how many pickets are you using per, per week, right? So in QuickBooks, I can pull an order, a, a report, and Josh can probably do the same thing in Lightspeed and say, hey, this is what my burn rate is. I'm using, I'm using, you know, 30 bundles of pickets a week or 15 bundles of pickets a week or five bundles of pickets a week. You know, so you can look at, and you can look at that and figure out how to, parse that information into something that that's meaningful and say, okay, if I'm, 
you know, I want a four week supply on hand or I want a six week supply on hand or, or whatever the case may be, you know, and you can look at what your replacement cost is and factor that, that, that into your pricing. And, you know, so it's just a more sophisticated way of, of managing your fence business, you know, when you get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like a guy starting out isn't at that point. A guy at a million dollars in revenue isn't at that point necessarily, you know? Um, but when you get to, you know, probably a three to $5 million revenue point, you're like, okay, well, I need to start paying attention to stuff and you need to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the cool things that Lightspeed does that we, we don't use a hundred percent of yet, um, that we'll be working on is you can put in minimal, minimal order quantities. So what it, what it does is it sets an alert to where say it, if you if you don't want to fall below ten bundles of pickets on your yard, because it takes you two weeks to get mm-hmm. eighteen bundles delivered or however long, mm-hmm. then you set that minimum order quantity, and then once a week you can pull um, a minimum order quantity report, and it'll tell you what you need to reorder. And then you can also set that up to where you just push a button, and it will automatically email all of your vendors and say. Here's a PO. Send this. We're still working on that part. That's cool. We just use a clipboard. Yeah, we, we need some more of this. We need some more of that. <laughs> well, I used to do that. I used to walk out into the yard and say, "Hey, this yep. is what jobs are sold, and this is what I got, and this is what I need." Right. Yeah. Um, but when it gets to scale, you know, a lot of things happen when your business gets to scale. And you're like, okay, hey, what I did at a million dollars in revenue doesn't work anymore. You know, what I did when at three million in revenue doesn't work anymore. Hundred thousand dollars, or, or, or you know, fifty to a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a week in materials, that stuff disappears off the yard very fast. Like, yeah, where'd it go? Uh, I've been so, by Zach's. Josh, we that. we can't we. Yeah, we we came up with a method of uh, exporting the data from QuickBooks. So we can put that into a spreadsheet and they'll tell you, Hey, this is the minimum amount of product that you need to order to fill your outstanding jobs. Right. Yeah. Cause we never have enough inventory on hand to fill all of the outstanding jobs. Um, and they'll tell you like, uh, we, we were able to put the weights in there, like, uh, for truckload, like it's, it's like a, a piece of this is this much of the truckload, a bundle is this much of the truckload so that we can, we can, export the inventory data from QuickBooks and say, okay, this is how much of a truckload of vinyl we need to order. So the minimum is this. And then we, we set the spreadsheet up to say, Hey, but, but, you know, always keep a couple extra bundles of this on hand. So we call that the recommended truckload, right? And say, Hey, this is the minimum you need to order. This is the recommended. And then you could plug in your actuals and then figure out like, am I at, 70% 70% of a truckload of vinyl or 80% and the same thing for wood, you know, and aluminum. So pretty slick. That is slick. Yeah. You're pretty slick, Zach. Way, no, ahead, way no, ahead of me. Josh man. is, Josh is, Josh is the slickest. <laughs> Zach's definitely the slickest. I'm not over here building a billion dollar enterprise. <laughs> so, so, um, Zach, what do you think about the FWA? I, li- I like what Brian's doing. 
I pay attention to it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You tell me, what do you think about it? Josh, what do you think about the FWA? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I am all for anybody that is working as hard as Brian is to move the industry forward. Um, yes. Obviously, I'm on the board of directors for the American Fence Association, uh, and I, I'm I'm very active in the AFA. Um, but what what Brian's doing is awesome for all of us. Anybody that wants to put in the work to make the industry better uh, is a okay in my book. So, I mean, I, I think I he's pretty like much to find ways to get you know that all of these organizations working together to uh, hire some lobbyists and uh, yeah. You know, start start making impacts where we need to make impacts. Uh, same thing that uh, plumbers and electricians did. Uh, yeah, I like the way that uh, sounds. I think we're we've got a lot of things pointing in that direction. Um, we've got a mid year meeting coming up uh, in July, uh, where the board of directors are are going to be meeting and talking about the goals over the next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you haven't noticed Brian yet, and you're in the fence industry, you haven't been paying attention. So I like what he's doing. The resources that he's putting out there are uh, are, are some things that we need. So more yeah. power to him. I mean, Good I talk job. to Brian probably at least once a week. And somehow in the conversation, it comes up, you know, look, man, I'm not trying to be the AFA's competition. Just we didn't have any representation out here in the West Coast. So I just stepped up and I'm just doing it and it's just growing and I'm just kind of like, he's just kind of like, wow, this thing's getting out of control, but he's, you know, lassoed it and he's taking the rod and he's doing most of that stuff himself. It's not competition, but it, if two people are doing the same thing, both people are going to push each other, you know? Yeah. And, you know, competition is not a bad thing because of that reason. You know, it pushes the whole industry forward, other associations forward. So competition can be very healthy. Now, in line with that, we do not need a superior fence rail anywhere in the Jackson area. Okay. So. <laughs> hey, we're, we're coming, Cannon. Cannon, we've opened like, already we're, we're, we've sold like, like 20 offices this year so far. So keep, we're keep coming, buddy. Superior <laughs> fence and rail out of Jackson. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Listen, I just oh, want to say that. Here we um, go. Go ahead. No, no, no. First of all, first of all, um, anybody and everybody should welcome Superior Fence and Rail into their market because because we are not coming in as a low price leader. Okay, right. So if you're worried about Superior coming to your market, if anything, I'm I'm not the one who's going to drag the market prices down. Yeah. Right. I haven't done that in Jacksonville. If you ask anybody in Jacksonville, Superior Fence and Rail is the low price leader, right? That's what I worry about. I worry about a low price leader coming to my market. That's what I would be worried about. We right? don't need so no help pricing around first, Jackson, Tennessee, Zach, okay? <laughs> but, 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 I'm teasing. But that's that's point. If, you get, if you get a customer that gets an, an estimate from, from your people. company and it's, it's $7,000 and then he gets an estimate from, you know, you know just a, a contractor company that also does fences and everything else, and their their quote is four thousand dollars, and then that's going to be awful hard to explain. But if you got a third party in there whose quote is also around seven thousand dollars, well now the low guy's the outlier. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. And Josh will tell you we're not the low price leader in Panama City either. 
He's like, so, see, Josh, uh, Josh, Josh doesn't worry about competing with superior fencing rail. Josh, do you worry about competing with superior fencing rail in Panama City? No, I like that. Yeah. Matter of fact, not at all. Help. Yeah, I don't have any issues with it. Y'all have a branch that comes to Mandeville. But you got to think about that logically. Right. If you got two yeah. people that are at $7,000 and one guy at three, now the customer is going to be looking at the $3,000 guy. Kind of funny. That's right. Like, right. What are you not so, doing? And then, and then I, I want to say this too. You know, we're opening up a lot of offices. And so people are starting to notice, like, hey, Superior Fence Rail. I want to say this for all my offices that are opening up. You got Everybody's got to remember. Like I'm an established company. I've been in business for 13 years. My my buddy Chris, who started this with me, you know, has been in business for 20 years. Uh, but all of our new offices are startups, right? So when we open a franchise, they're a startup. And if everybody can remember back when they were a startup and all the dumb shit that they used to do when they were a startup. Like, you know, I, I saw somebody like, oh, Superior did this, her, 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 on a, on a comment on Facebook. And I declined to, to comment on it, but I'd like to address it here. Like, they're all startup companies. Like, we all broke our eggs when we made this omelet, this wonderful thing that we've got now, mm-hmm. this masterpiece that we have. I mean, Dan and Cannon and Josh can all tell, tell us stories about the dumb shit that they did or the, 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 the team that they had at the time did, or they hired the wrong person. So we're all going to make those mistakes, but I can tell you, you know, about some shit that happened this week. Um, <laughs> Listen, if you don't remember, <laughs> exactly. go to the contractor right now right. and, and look up the, right. there's a couple videos that you can watch that Mark's put out there with a truck in the ditch or, uh, yeah, man. Look, yeah, I did look the same Mark. thing. Look at Mark. Exactly. Look at Mark. He's like one of the smartest guys in our industry. Right. Like, no, I don't think many people, if any, no offense, like Mark Olson. Right. And he's out there and his guys are doing some dumb shit on jobs. But what, but the difference is, and this is, and this is what I'll, you know, what I'll say is like, if, if any of our office do some dumb shit, like we're going to fix it and make it right. And that's what Mark did on his videos. I'm just, I'm just not making videos about it, but you know. But yeah, you you should welcome Superior Fence and Rail into your into your market with open arms, and we're probably coming soon. So you might as well welcome us with open arms. <laughs> yeah, man, I haven't I'm had gonna, any franchise. I haven't had any issues, Cannon. I mean, they've been in town, and I haven't had any issues. And if I if I lost jobs, there, to there them, are no issues. Yeah, if I lost jobs to them, I don't even know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I even I offered you, up. I even offered up my yard. I told Zach. There is one issue. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw out this one issue. Zach is a pain in the butt to stay on top of on uh, SEO and Google. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's really good at it. Okay. No comment, Zach. Uh, well, thank- we, but we but we can't beat relationships with the people have when we come into a market. We can't we can't beat the word of mouth that a guy's been there for you know ten or fifteen years. Like there's stuff we can't beat. You know, yeah, are we slick at, at, at doing the internet stuff? Like yeah, sure. Like that's not that hard to figure out. You know, but there's a lot of stuff we can't beat. It takes time. We gotta we gotta earn our way into every market that we come into. You know, what does it take? What does it take you know, to uh, have a franchise, Zach? Give you a little plug here. What do you mean? For. What does it take to have a franchise? Yeah, like what is what's the, what's what the cost mean? to start it? What's the what's the annual fees? How does that work? Yeah, well, I mean, look the 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 cost to start is um, 
you know, anywhere between about a hundred and 200 K that's what we figure it takes to get it, to get started. Um, you know, and we have everybody who's on the spectrum, you know, that's, those are averages, right? So we have people who are, you know, super efficient at that. And people who are like, Hey, I want to put so much money into the business that, you know, I don't have to worry about ever funding it again. Um, so, but, but on average about a hundred and 200 K to get started. And then we live like any other, you know, franchise, we take a percentage of revenue, um, every year that, that, um, as you grow that, that drops from six to 4%. Right. So, uh, so and I, and I think, I think when you talk to our franchisees, um, they'll tell you that, that writing the royalty check, they're, they're happy to do it every month because they're, they think, and I, and I think, and I think that we deliver on our value, um, that we, that we earn our, our royalty check every every month. And at the, at the point where we stop earning our royalty check, you know, that's when, uh, that's when I'm failing, you know, but we, we earn it, you know. I'm going to buy a franchise and compete with myself. I told him that <laughs> earlier. Say, hey, we can get one available here, here. What's, hey, uh, Josh, you're the, you're the numbers guy. What's 6% of nothing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, look, and I can tell exactly. you guys. Exactly. That you hard time, bro. Just they're keep out of see. We're all right. No, no, no. Listen, listen. I'm kidding, listen, bro. I'll I'm tell kidding. you this. Listen, I'll tell you this. Our, I can tell you these numbers because they're established. There's, there's rules around franchising. I can, I can only tell you certain things. Um, you know, it can be construed as an advertisement or whatever. Um, but listen, on average, our offices in their first calendar year business, like first full calendar year business, do 1.8 million in revenue. Wow. Right. On average, in their second full calendar year in business, they do 2.8 million in revenue, and in their third year, on average, they do 3.8 million in revenue. Wow! You know, so what we're what we're helping people do um, is build a business, and so so here's my plug, right? This is what I'm doing, right? I'm helping people build a business where they can define their participation in the business, mm-hmm. right? Like. Like you want to build them. This is what we all want to do. Everybody who's listening tonight, whether they know it or not, wants to do this. They want to build a business where they can define their participation. They don't want to, they don't want to own their job, right? They don't want to own their job. They want to define their participation in their business. Like maybe they love installing or they love selling or they love the back end processes or whatever they, or they love just being the owner and checking in a couple times a week. You know what I mean? But that's, you know, and I was talking to Josh about this today, you know, like stick with the idea where you can have a business where you define your participation because that's the best, that's, that's, you know, that's the American dream. Like that's your, that's what we're doing. You know, you can make money and and decide what you want to do rather than let the business drive you. Right. So that's my plug, Cannon. That's it. <laughs> Very good plug, Zach. You make me. You make me feel good. You have the Matt Warner effect on you, like guys. I saw Zach, and and, and actually, uh, when we were in Louisiana at the AFA, uh, what's the college fence tech? Yeah, Zach texts me. He's like, "Hey man, where you at, dude?" Like Zach, I want you to know that made me feel cool. Like feel good. Like I was like, "Damn, Zach Payton is looking for me." I was like, "Uh, you didn't text me." Bro, you know, goddamn! I, 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 I had already found Josh at that point. <laughs> and Dan, you got the nickname Mr. Safety one. 
Damn. Yeah, that's right. Say inside joke. We're not talk Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. you're you're inspiring. To listen to you make you make me feel good about myself and <sighs> stay out of Jackson. <laughs> stay out of Jackson. That's right. <laughs> I don't think we're coming to. I don't think we're coming to Jackson anytime soon. I'd say that. So. Cool. Oh. Deal. Cannon until you, you until know. you until you convert until can, until <laughs> Cannon converts, and that will be my coup. To, I, I might retire when Cannon converts. Like I told him, I was like, "Hey, listen, I can log, I can log into your Google My Business account. And I can change your name. I'll rebrand all your trucks. I'll pay for it like no problem. That's my coup d'état. I will retire when Cannon converts." So and, I know I'm not ever going to get rep. Dan to convert, so I'm not even going to try. But, <laughs> yes, but Dan, the, the expenses, of, Dan, just so you know, the expenses associated with converting to Superior Fence and Rail are tax deductible. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker here. <laughs> uh, that right there. That right there. <laughs> hey, it's, it's hard. It's harder to cover up a Fence King tattoo with a Superior Fence and Rail tattoo. They're just not the same. You know, same size. But Zach, I would it's join okay. you. Uh, you. I could, I could be talking to joining Zach Payton at the executive level. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to be Zach's uh, franchisee. I want to be Zach's fucking right hand guy. Uh, Zach, I'll go get your coffee, bro. There you go. No, I want that job. <laughs> I want Zach to walk in and be like, "Hey, man, here's your, uh, here's your Carmen Macchiato." <laughs> we we were late. We were late for the show tonight because Cannon was making coffee. Yeah, man. So I can't. So look, um, doing seventy five hard. That's another. I look. I'm proud of myself. I'm on day eleven, and I can't drink any alcohol. So I've got water and coffee. And anybody that's watched the show knows that is not Cannon like at all. Usually it's a bush light or a blue moon. And I drank a lot of them last year. And evidently, there's a lot of damn like. Stuff that makes you fat, beer. Think the cup calories. Yes. Yes. Jesus Christ. So, hey, look, I'm down to like five pounds in eleven days. Is that weird or what? No. I weighed. I weighed in. Um, That's probably days five ago. pounds of beer. Yeah. Yeah. Way out. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm a six pack lighter, y'all. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so I weighed in with my boots on uh, eleven days ago at two o two, and I weighed in with my boots on today. I was like one ninety seven and a half or so. So, I'm happy. Does that mean you're you're six hundred thousand dollars lighter? He says a uh, uh, hundred thousand dollars is the same height as a stack of or as a bush light can. Wow, who said that? You're six hundred thousand dollars lighter. I've never seen a hundred thousand dollars, so I don't know. <laughs> Zach probably has. How much do you weigh with boots only on? Hey, me. With boots only? Just boots. Have you About done that yet? Yeah. All my clothes are pretty lightweight. <laughs> Did we lose Zach? I don't know. Man. No, I'm still here. What are, you, what are you asking me about? Oh, we want to know how, if you if you stack all your $100 bills, how tall would that be? Was it more or less than a wish light can? Dude, I don't, I don't listen. listen <laughs> I'm <last>. kidding. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> listen. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I I am drinking tonight though. So good. What are you drinking? Not scotch. 
What is none left? Moment, Corona premiere. Is that why you're not on the camera? Yeah. Only. He was on the camera. Uh, no, I. I was going. I, I called in. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't. You know. I saw Josh you. Was, you were there. I, I texted Josh and I'm like, "Hey, I can't. I can't find the link to to watch the call." And Josh was like, "Oh, I'll forward you the link." And he forwarded me the link to like join as a member. Uh-huh. And I was like, "I'm not joining this call as a member. I just want to talk shit in the background, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and see my comments post up." Because, so. yeah. Well, you know, Zach Payton, it was great having you, man. I'm glad you called in. <laughs> I got control. Look at that. My watch that doesn't have an answer for that. No, I didn't. He's still on. Let's talk about some more cool stuff to talk about. Well, what is another? Anybody that's watching this have any, like, serious questions? It will pop up there. Well, I got a question about this light speed that you got. Oh, here we go back to light speed. What? You don't want to talk about that? The show's that's supposed to be fun. about it. That's not fun anymore. That was fun 30 minutes ago. Listen, Cannon's done in hearing that word because whenever he started buying inventory, he was like, you know, what should I do? And I, I teetered on whether telling him or not. And then I was like, man, if I could go back in time, I would have just done it. I would have just done it in the very beginning. So I was like, here's what we do. Like, you don't have to use it. Like, you can wait until you get, like Zach said, three to five million or, or bigger, somewhere around that point when it really becomes beneficial. But uh, but then putting all those items in. Yeah, yeah. I was like, are you going to do it just the same way that literally everybody else has done it? You just you just keep doing it in QuickBooks until you are tired of doing it and switch to something else. But, <laughs> Does it cost like a, a subscription or what? Yes. I don't oh. know. $600 a... Yeah. What does it cost? I don't know. Uh <laughs> It's not. I mean, it's, it's insignificant enough that I don't know. It's like two or three hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah. Here's a here's a Zach question. How many franchises does Superior have out there now, and what's the largest French? Oh man. Hey, we we. Uh, hey, there we go. Yeah, Jacksonville is still the largest branch. We'll do probably about sixteen million in revenue uh, this Damn. year. Maybe maybe a little bit more. Um. <laughs> Um, oh. we've got, we've got, we've, we surpassed, uh, 60 franchises sold. I think we're about, I think, I think we're officially at 61 sold. Jeez. Um, I, I was telling Josh earlier by the end of the year, I think we'll have about 75 sold and 60 up and operational. Um, our, our largest franchises, right? Like outside of Jacksonville. Um, well, I, I think this year I'll be able to say our largest franchise is an eight figure business. Um, we might have two of those this year. So, so think about that. Think about an eight figure business. Woo! Right. Eight figures. Do you figures have a vice, you have a vice president business. helping you do this? <laughs> We've got a corporate staff. We're always hiring. Bro. I mean, listen, and actually we are hiring. So listen, anybody who's, who's listening, I know there's a lot of owners on the line, but, um, you know, we are, we are actually hiring. We're growing the team a lot. I mean, I, we're, we're growing aggressively. I do. And Josh said it earlier. I, I do want to be the, the first billion dollar, you know, defense enterprise. Um, 
there's a few service brands who have gotten to the billion dollar mark, like a very few of them. So I'd, I'd love to be included in that club. Um, and there's, there's very few billion dollar, you know, franchises period. So, um, that, that's what I'm trying to do. I, I think we have got, that, that's my big ass, my, my big hairy ass goal. My BHAG, okay. right. Is to be a billion dollar enterprise. And I think we can resume. Hey, Cannon, I want to look at this guy, Jess, yeah. co- just, this guy, Jess comment. Hey, I like that. Pull That's a good up. question. I've got a great answer for that. Which Pull one, Jeff's or Brian? Which one? Yes. Jeff. Pull Brian. Jeff Hi. up. So, so let me read it out here for the, uh, for the podcast listeners. Jeff asked, I want to know how people's sales looked this year compared to last year's and the margins associated with those sales. Are you having to sell jobs at a lower margin seeing any effects of economy in your area. Okay. Josh? What are you guys seeing? No. We, we're to the still, roof. Yeah. Josh is blowing and going. almost exceeded our entire gross from last year at this point. Gross and margins are up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and that is largely because, uh, or some of it is because we, we sold a lot of large contract jobs last year that are just coming into play now so but that being said we we really haven't uh, dropped any margins prices are uh remaining the same now i will tell you that the the um leads that we track that are available in the market have decreased by about 18 percent in our area over the last 45 to 60 days so there are definitely less people looking for fences than what we normally have in the pool but uh, it's sales-wise, it hasn't changed. What about you, Zach? I'm sure you look at those numbers, too. I mean, I look nationally. So, you know, some markets are hot and some markets are, are not. You know, when I, when I hear the media talking about, you know, hey, there's a recession coming, you know, not everybody, everybody, not, not in Florida, no. Um, some of our Florida offices are down year over year, but... Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be pockets of recession. I think overall, um, across the country, we're, we're not in a recession, but there, there are some areas. So wherever this guy's, wherever this guy's commenting from, you know, it could be one of the areas where, where the, the economy is in recession. Right. And that's a real thing. Like there are areas of the country, no matter how great it is in Panama city or Jacksonville or, or West Tennessee or, or Louisiana, it's like there are areas of the country where, you know, the economy is actually like not doing great, you know? So, um, you know, there, I've seen it, you know, there's, there's areas where leads are grinding too. Not a, not a halt, but we're like, Hey, that's a bigger drop than 20%. 20% is the average across the board, but there's areas where it's dropping more than 20%. There's areas where it's not dropping. Well, I mean, I can tell you in my area, we're an oil state. So when gas is high, people are spending, <clears throat> you know, so. Um, and and you can't find crews, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. Uh, yeah, they're all gone to the oil rigs. We lost a few to the oil rigs. Yeah, so, um, but they, they'll, all right. be, they'll all be back. They'll be back. They'll be going, hey, Josh, uh, can I come back to work for you? It's going to happen. Anyway, um. Yeah, so I mean, we were down. We were down sixteen percent last month, but our margin was up almost three percent. 
So when you average it out, I did less less money and made almost. I was I'm looking at it right here. I was four hundred dollars shy of making the same amount of profit. So, um, I don't know yet. I'm watching it close though. I mean, I watch it close all the time. So. What about you, Cannon? Hey, listen, we're unstoppable with Jackson Fence, and I would advise anybody to not open up shop near my. <laughs> Man, imagine what he would be like if he was drinking right now. Jesus, this show would be off the chart. Superior rail sign across from his house. Hey, we actually have a guy here that, that worked for a superior in, is it Athens, Georgia? Maybe or somewhere in Georgia. Does he uh, still work for you? Is it really? He's yeah, yeah. like I, I gave him some money to like get, get him a house. Like I love this guy. Like he was living like an hour and fifteen minutes away and driving to work every day. Um, mm. Actually, he was getting dropped off at work. So, that guy. so his, his wife was making a four hour round trip every day. And like we found a trailer like two blocks away, and I was like, "Bro, here's 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 the deposit. Here's the first month. Like go. You don't owe me <laughs> back. Like move, bro, move. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, you know." Uh, me and Kristen, you know, we're partners. We don't always see eye to eye on that stuff. And I'm like, Kristen, look, he's a freaking great. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't need him to be making a four hour round trip every day to help us. Like, oh yeah. Was, fucking right, man. That was good of you to do that. Yeah, yeah. I need him to be within walking distance. And if he wants to call in, I'm going to pick him up. Right. Right. <laughs> so no, 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 no. <laughs> Zach, we we're, we're doing well, dude. Um, of course, um, you know, we're, we're six years old. Okay. So we are in growth mode. We're aggressive. Um, and at some point you, you uh, I guess you, you kind of, you know, begin to stabilize or, or kind of hit, hit, hit a, hit a level of maturity, you know, but we're still very adolescent and growing and learning. And, uh, so it's easy. It's, I would say it's easy to grow, you know, uh, the less mature you are in your business. Um, but yeah, man, we're, we're freaking like, this is going to be a record month. The month before that was a record month. Like every month is, 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 is like the biggest month that we've ever done, you know? Um, now looking ahead to July, um, you know, we we're kind of forecasted out. Um, July looks to be a little bit light, uh, but a lot of it comes down to average ticket, you know, uh, like this month here, this particular month, June, the, the, the biggest month Jackson fence has ever recorded, Lots of good average tickets, and that's one thing that I'm learning um, as as we do grow as a company is 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 how to increase that average ticket because at the end of the day you've got so many opportunities you know and you don't want to you don't want to spend I, the, to me I look at a, at a day per crew that's an opportunity okay so at the beginning of each month I'll count how many opportunities do we have what's our goal and mm-hmm. what's your our average goal what's what's like the minimum somebody asked a while ago do you have a do you have a minimum you know so I'll do some math and, and, and figure out how many opportunities what's our what's our what's our goal and you know what is our what is our minimum average ticket need to look like you know and anything less than an average ticket it it literally upsets me <laughs> like and I probably shouldn't care but I'm like why in the hell are we doing doing this twenty five hundred dollar job like wh- where do we fit that in like where do we give up an opportunity to go do that and why are we giving up an opportunity to to, to go do that and I don't know I have mixed I have mixed feelings about that myself like man does that make me greedy and selfish and and and, and not good as a person because the other side of me wants to like dude good for the community and yeah come we'll, we'll come and and rehang a gate for you you know. But um, 
I also believe at the end of the day, like when the getting is good, you got to get it, you know, and you can't waste your opportunities trying to be um, all things to all people when you've got an opportunity to grow in front of you. So um, not to ramble, but yeah, th- things are good here and it, things are hot here. And I'm, I'm sure uh, you guys are, are in Florida and Louisiana, so I know it's hot there, but you know, we're having regular heat indexes in 105, 107, 108 levels, you know, and it's just how hot it is here, can it? What now? Tell us how hot it is here. I almost died in in your parking lot, Josh. (laughs) Uh, But, Uh, you know, so, so, so we're, we're doing things like, um, here recently, I've been using quite a bit of labor finders. Uh, you know, I don't know what you guys might call it in your market, but like we have labor finders here. And I have grown to love the idea of labor finders. It's a, it's a flat cost to me. You know, labor finders takes care of the uh, the work comp and uh, the payroll taxes. And we pay like a flat, uh, I'm not even sure what it is, 16 or $17 an hour per head. Okay. And so when it's really hot like it is right now, and we can use some extra guys, it doesn't make sense to go out and find and hire people permanently. You only need somebody temporarily, you know. So, so oh, you're that's, right. That's, yeah, that's kind of like a little tip for me is like tap into those uh, temp laborers in your market and, and use those people as needed. Today, you know, we unloaded a, a, a 40-foot container of, of, of vinyl fence, and uh, I had two Jackson fence guys uh, kind of heading that process up and six temporary guys. And uh, just day laborers is all it is. Like I, I, I didn't use them yesterday, and I don't plan to use them tomorrow. But we used them today. Yeah. Did they get uh, that thing unloaded quicker than when uh, you were out there on the first one? I, I wouldn't say quicker, Dan. But 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 here's the other side of that coin: is this is we didn't give up and we didn't sacrifice an opportunity to make it happen. Right. No, I, I understand. Trust me. I'm just. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, how many people you had out there that could have been making you money somewhere else. Yeah, you did yeah, the right thing. Yeah, these are all temp guys. You know, I had two shop guys that were going to be there anyways, and all temp guys. And so my crews, they were able to stay out and, and keep on fencing. And um, so I count that as a as, as as a win. You know, and I think doing things in that in in that in that mindset, that's how you grow. You grow your average ticket. You do everything you can to protect every single opportunity. You know, like hey, we're not giving an opportunity. If when you become aggressive like that, and you set a goal, and you say, "Come hell or high water, we're going to hit that goal." I don't know. It just seems to work. That's all. So, yeah, things are good, Zach. Hey, yeah, look, hey, look, this guy, Jeff, this guy, Jeff, responded. He said, I'm out of Dallas. We are fairly insulated, and it hasn't affected us. <clears throat> we will do about 23 to $24 million this year. Damn. Our, me- uh, our median price job has increased. The amount of jobs has decreased. But the margin we make off of each job has increased about 10%. So essentially, we're doing less volume of jobs, but making more net revenue. And that's about where I'm at right now. Residential leads are down about 20%, but that makes up only about 25% of the annual revenue. Yeah. Um, Hey, Zach, what were you saying? uh, Did you have something you were saying? Um, No. No. But I I mean, based on what Jeff is saying, I mean, that's, that's pretty consistent with what I've seen. I mean, some of our suppliers are asking us why our volume of item purchases are down. And I'm like, well, hey, listen, our our dollar volume with you is up. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. You're, it seems to me like you're shipping less product 
for more dollars. So I'm not sure what you're asking me about. Right. Like, what are you asking me about? Right. Right. Uh, what's the, what's the problem? It seems like you're doing less work for more money. Um, but they're manufacturers. So they have capacity and stuff like that, that they have to figure out. Um, and then, you know, the, the only thing I'll say on the, you know, we all need to guard against when, when, when prices of products do drop, right. If, if there's less competition, uh, less leads in the market and suppliers produce an oversupply of inventory, right? Like I got an, I got an email today saying, Hey, I've got 20 truckloads of wood pickets. I need to unload at this price, right? Like when that stuff starts happening and prices start to drop, we're going to have, you know, a, a little bit of a different problem on our hands because we've all got fat and happy at these high prices. So, um, everybody needs to have a plan for what happens when, when prices do start to drop and that average ticket, like Cannon was talking about earlier, like what happens when that average ticket drops to X and your opportunity is only X, you know, what does your overhead look like? What's your, what's your overhead percentage? You know, what's your, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that, that, that go into the equation. Um, I, I worry about stuff like that just, just generally for folks who are in the industry. You know? I think as a general rule of thumb, you need to be prepared to be able to take a, a 20% deduction uh, and potentially potentially 20% in, in your margin and still uh, be able to pay your bills and remain profitable. Mm. Uh, and right. you need to have a plan to be able to accomplish that, whether it's you know reducing, reducing your overhead through whatever means um, – offloading offloading inventory which is you know i'm glad zach touched on that because you know over the last two years you've had you've had fence companies that historically didn't carry any inventory start carrying substantially large amounts of inventory becoming wholesalers Uh, almost yeah and that that is a dangerous position for a lot of companies to be in because like Zach said, and it's already happening. There's already vendors out there that are sitting on a surplus of materials and they're trying to move it. They're trying to move it because they, they have to continue their cash flow and they'll, they'll sell it at a lower and lower cost. And whenever that happens, your competition is going to be buying at a lower cost and you're still going to be sitting on the inventory that you paid 20% more for. It's going to make it awful hard for you to be competitive. That was a mouthful. Yeah. That's That's a lot. Something to be cognitive of. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, shoot, (laughs) y'all. Back in. Wow. Yeah, that was was a mouthful, Josh. Well, I mean, it's it's really supply and demand. Like, whenever all that money was injected in the economy, all the consumers bought more houses they bought more fences they bought more everything um and consequently factories had just shut down because of covid which was the opposite of what needed to happen um so you had an increase in demand and a decrease in production and then when production came back online you had uh you know manufacturers make investments to increase supply capability which has increased the amount of materials they supply to catch up well, now they've, they've caught up hey. and we've got all this inventory on people's yards and the stuff is stacked up to the ceiling and, and some of locations. So I think that you're going to see a lot of manufacturing. Yeah, at my location, too. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they're going to start dropping prices. The, the demand is dropping, so we're going to see we're going to see prices drop. But hey, can I, can we talk about one good thing that that came out of COVID that that I don't think y'all have talked about at all? Like there are so many people. Um, you know, there's a lot of houses in this country where people move in and they stay for a long, long time and they're never going to buy a fence, right? For, for whatever reason, like they love their neighbors. Um, they don't have any pets. They don't have a swimming pool for whatever reason. Like they never, they were never, ever, ever going to enter into the fence market. And that's a bad thing for our industry, right? Cause every fence, no matter what it is, like all the bullshit around like lifetime vinyl fence and blah, 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 blah. I don't care what you say. Every fence eventually will need to be replaced. So the more fences, ideally, right, the, the more the more of a market will have, right? Like it's an annuity, like it's going to continually renew. So there were a ton of people who got pulled into the fence market because of COVID who would have never, ever, ever put a fence around their house. I talked to a guy anecdotally um, who was like, hey, I lived in my house for 12 years. And because of COVID, we got a puppy. And... And because we got a puppy, we had to get a fence. Like it was just a, like, we couldn't, we couldn't not have a fence. And especially because they had the money to buy a fence. So I think that the fence industry for the long term is really, really solid. It's like when you look at like the housing shortage and the fact that now we've got a ton more fences into the market that will eventually need to be replaced because people may not want to have a fence, right? They may, they may live in their house for 12 years and never have a fence. Like I get that. But if they live in their house, and the fence falls over, they're going to replace it. Like nobody's going to be like, Hey, just come in and tear out the fence and don't put a new one up. Like they're going to be like, Hey, we need a new fence. Right. Am and I right? A, I wonder what resonate? the statistics are of all those people staying home that uh, now there's potentially uh, more kids involved. They might need a fence that are going to buy one now. That's right. I mean, it, it's right. a real thing. I'm sure that it, it did increase in some, some sense, and now, uh, now the new fence. Technically, we're we're all just social distancing professionals. <laughs> that's right. I was never any good at it, but that's different. no, no. We we help keep others. Social yeah. Distanced. Hey, we'll put a fence up between you and that guy, and he can't come to you, and you'll be six feet away. Do so that. Jack has mentioned before when I've talked to him, and. Uh, if you can elaborate on it, elaborate on it. I'd like to hear it, Zach, because I've heard you say it, but I've never heard you in detail. Is uh, you know a lot of times fence businesses or, or fence companies are marketed as almost a recession-proof business or recession-resistant. I'd like to hear this, Zach. He's like, "Damn, did I say that?" Zach, go? Well, Zach's in the I, bottom I of a bottle I somewhere. I don't. I don't. I don't think they're, I don't think they're recession resistant, right? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a full on, uh, want, <laughs> like it's not a full on need, right? Like people need air conditioner, they need windows, they need doors. Um, Tires. but it's a, you know, right. Like people, people need things. People don't need fences. Uh, but On when the residential but it, it, market, it yeah, but I mean, when you get to talking about commercial and, industrial or, or military contracts then well commercial slows down during yeah yeah there yeah exactly no i mean it's 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 borderline that's what i'm talking about it's borderline so it's not we as bad as some industries yeah i mean we're, we're rebranding ourselves I mean, a little bit as you know our why is to 
provide privacy, security, and a peace of mind. And we're we're pushing on that. You know, people right. people want a peace of mind. So that's a that's a want. They want that. Yeah. You don't need peace of mind. You can be crazy as hell. You know. <laughs> but it, but it is it's it's borderline. It's it's but you can push people to to want it so bad they need it. Right. That's what yeah. you're trying to do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, when the recession, when was the last recession? Was that 09 or what year was that? 2008. 2008? I'm going to tell you the reason why Fence King made it through that. The BP oil spill. That's why Fence King made it through that. You know, our uh, zip code was affected by BP and they freaking stroked the check that got Fence King through. Hmm. I mean, look, it was, I mean, we're, we were... In a recession, we had the BP oil spill. I had people that were in the oil business had ten, ten back then ten thousand dollar aluminum jobs. People like, oh, we're not going to do that now. We're going to hold on to our money. You know? Yeah, we. I mean, that, that was a tough time. Yeah. You know, but I mean, Dan and you probably. I mean, I don't know if Josh and Cannon were in business back in then, but. I mean, I I got started at the at the begin, very beginning of that recession, and what I noticed from 2009 to 2012 is that there the competition got less and less. So if you if you have the wherewithal to to make it through a recession, if you're smart enough, if you're scrappy enough to make it through a recession, right? When you come out on the other side of it, like from 2013 to like 2018. There was probably like little to, I felt like at times there was like no competition. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was competition, but there was a lot less of it. And I felt like we had, right, Dan, would you agree with that? Yeah, man. Know. So when, when we came out of that recession, it was like, we just blew up because all the guys That's who right. didn't make it. I mean, I was calling fence guys because of whatever issue there was. And they're like, oh, man, I'm working at uh, Premier Auto selling cars. I was like, oh, damn, you're not fencing anymore? No. <laughs> right. You know, I had a guy that was a cop. Right. He started up after Katrina. Life was good. 2008 hit. And I walked into Lowe's. Now, this this was a guy that I talked to after Katrina. I said, look, man, you need to go up on your prices. He wouldn't go up on his prices. And uh, during the recession, I walk into Lowe's with my crew, getting ready to go to work. And he walks up to me with a red vest on. I'm like, dude, what are you doing working here? Was that me? No, no. He was much, much better looking than you. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, he was a fence guy. And now he's working at Lowe's. I was like, damn. Oh, I was the other guy. I was the Lowe's guy, and that's now the fence guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, so then after that, that's when, you know, if I look, if I were to look back, I probably scaled without even trying to scale. We were rocking and rolling. Um, guys, listen, we could talk all night. I have to go do a 45 minute exercise. That's really not our problem. And go to bed. <laughs> well, 
I think the title of the show is going to be, we tried to talk about inventory and did, and then Zach Payton called and we talked about everything but inventory. And I had to go to bed. Put that on there. <laughs> and Cannon, uh, yeah, we're going to title this show. Cannon had, Cannon had to go uh, walk. Josh and Zach take over my fence life yeah. again. Yeah, that's the a good four one. guys ramble for hours. Hey, hey Josh, Josh and Zach are going to start like my, like my, my circa vita, right? <laughs> me, me, me circa vita, right? Like in Spanish, like my fence life in Spanish, like <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna compete with you guys. Did you look that up, or did you can we call it how to exit my fence life? <laughs> how to exit me, me circa vida. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's right. The goal, right. Blue, blue sky fences. Yeah. Me carne asada. But man, all four of us need to get together and meet in a in a mid place like Panama, where Josh is at. Me, Cannon, Zach, Josh, and we'll crash Josh's new house. We'll have a big party, throw down, get drunk. Talk shit, and then wonder what happened the next day. We can just do it virtually, though. No, I want to do it. I want. I want to. I want to fall asleep on Josh's couch and drool on it. What if we planned an outing and everybody was in their their respective place, and we just drank and like stayed up to two o'clock in the morning? Like, imagine like, hey guys, look, just set, set aside doing. seven. P- <laughs> That's not tonight, though. Oh. <laughs> Cannon, Cannon, that's what we're trying to do tonight. Yeah, I've done that, Cannon. You gotta go work out. Cannon, all my friend all my friends I went to Rome with, we stayed up one night we were, during the during the pandemic till like four in the morning getting sloppy ass drunk on a Zoom. It was it was a shit show. I'm alcohol free to August the twenty fifth. So like this planet for like early September, somewhere right. around like- August August twenty August twenty sixth. We'll do it. Hey Zach, are you going to Tony Thornton's uh deal in Oklahoma? No man, I, I I I'm I'm booked up for travel this summer. I I'd love to. I, I I like Tony. I have a lot of respect for him. Like what Josh said earlier, I I think it's a it's a fantastic opportunity for folks who can take the time out this time of year and go work on their business. I think it's great. You know, um, I I I have a tremendous amount of respect for Tony and his dedication to the industry over the years. So I I'd, I would love to go, but I'm not gonna be able to make it. So. Did you see the newest service that his company is going to be offering? He he put out there today. Takeoffs. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> takeoffs. What is Come it? On. Takeoffs. Yeah. What? They're doing takeoffs for commercial jobs. Yeah, they'll 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 take off all the fences for you. Who? Who? Thornton uh, Fence Consulting Group. Dude, Tony's got some big things happening, man. They just, you know. But, I mean, I shared that because I mean, there's there's a lot. That's something that people have asked me a lot over the years. And do you know anybody that does this? Like I can bid the project if I just had the materials list, but they can't read through the blueprints and pull off Mm -hmm. the the measurements and everything else um, just because they don't have the experience. So whether it's it's somebody doing it for you or whether he's got a, a, an avenue to help them do that. Like that's, that's something that, um, is needed, and I believe he made the comment earlier that said, uh, like Luke Gibson says, you see a need, fill a need. So, yeah, sometimes sifting through all that is tough. I used to have to do that when I was in the plumbing industry, and we uh, supplied entire subdivisions of their uh, subsurface, you know, their, their sewer, their water, fire hydrants, you know, all that. 
And I used to have, you know, truckloads of pipe delivered to them and stuff. And we oh, had to have our act together. Municipalities. We have people. We have might be talking me into getting on a plane. Yeah, we have people showing interest in this. So, like, all right, so let's let's imagine this. I I still think the virtual thing's fine, but we we go to Shangri La. Shangri La. Yeah, okay. We can go there. But like imagine a national fence guys get drunk. Right. <laughs> can you Where? imagine can you imagine so, doing that like at a state park, rent all the cabins? No, we're not I'm just thinking <laughs> virtual. Like we, we all sit here until like however late it goes and we all drink whatever we want to Woo! call in unlimited callers and like we'll just stack a hundred people in here. Everybody's like <laughs> Man, I see Brian. Brian, when are you when are you going to Jackson? You're supposed to be hooking up with Cannon. I'm ready to head up that way. He ain't coming to see me. Yeah, I think he bailed on you, brother. I'll talk. I'll talk. Listen, Brian, you should come to Panama City. He'll probably go there. He, he looked up Jackson, Tennessee. He's like, oh, man, it ain't shit there. <laughs> Have you been to Medina? Where, where did we go? Lebanon? I went to Lebanon. For the uh, Stain Seal University, yeah. and we stayed in this hotel, and I was right next to Joe Everest, and I looked at Joe. I'm like, "We're never staying here again, Joe. We're staying Hello, at the next guys. exit." Uh, Micah, uh, he he's interested. Brian's interested. Ken Throckmorton, um, Brian, the shit show dude. Comments are blowing up, man. We might be onto something here. Brian we just, said we just call it the shit show. That's it. That's it. it's the shit show. Hey, it's, Ready it's, go. it's the annual shit show edition. Yeah. Look, man. I'm not even married to Pepper, and she's going to divorce me if I don't get my ass home. I still got to download the show, get it over to Mr. Producer, write up the notes and the description. So. Yep. Well, hey, guys. Thank you for joining us. Gotta in the go work. Yeah, thanks for joining us in the My Salesman studio. Uh, Zach Payton, keep your ass out of Jackson. And uh, <laughs> thanks for calling in. <laughs> See you guys. All right, Good guys, y'all have a good one. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the My Fence Life podcast. And a special shout out to our sponsors My Salesman, Job Nimbus, and Benji with CleverFox.online for making this podcast possible. We invite you to leave us a review. Your five-star ratings and reviews help spread the word to others in our industry. You can connect with Dan and Cannon on Instagram and Facebook at MyFenceLife. The concepts and methods discussed are just the perspective of Dan, Cannon, and their guests. We hope these ideas inspire you to go out there and crush it in your own business. I'm Mr. Producer, reminding you to click follow on your podcast app to receive notifications of future episodes of My Fence Life. 